What's going on, guys? And Merry Christmas. Happy holidays for those that are celebrating. We got a special edition of the Snapchat today. Really not, not all that much, but we're going to be having some holiday discussion, but mainly talking about the newest card to drop on Tuesday. Nothing says happy holidays like Celine gifting negative power and cold to your opponents. We're going to break down her, how good she is, and why she might be one of the best one drops to come to Marvel Snap, talking combos, synergies, and everything you need to know. Other than that, we're going to be talking about a really fun subject of the best, most busted cards to ever exist in Marvel Snap's history. Taking a look back, anything past the beta and beyond is fair game. And it's one of my favorite discussions that we've had to date. And then we're going to end it on the OTA changes, the winners and the losers of the patch. We're going to be talking about all of that today on this Christmas episode of the Snapchat. And as always on this holiday, I am joined by Snappy Claus, Alex Kocha, dressing up for the occasion, first of all, guys, Merry Christmas to you if you're listening today this morning. We're hoping you guys have a great morning. Got all the gifts that you wish from Santa, and overall, the holiday is great. How is Christmas over there for you, Alex? Snappy Claus, sorry. It's been great. I got to tell you, the uh, the elves have been working really hard in the workshop. They've been trying to brew some new decks, collapse some cheeks, but most importantly, they're having fun out there in Marvel Snap. So I got to say, the elves... They're inspiring me on this uh, holiday season. I love the 12 days of Christmas when they talk about clapping cheeks. There's no way you could breathe in that thing, right? There's there's no way that there's good airflow going on. No, my glasses are starting to fog up as well, and I can't really see. Snappy so. Claus is going to die here on set to kick off your Christmas morning. Oh, guys, we're excited to celebrate the holiday with you. We've got a great Snapchat today, a lot to break down. We had the OTA that a lot of people were waiting for. We have some good subjects I love that the card coming out this week that we're going to talk about, Celine, is the the opposite of Christmas cheer. It's literally giving coal for all to hear. It's the most toxic card they could possibly release, which is probably why they did it, yeah? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, Celine, I think, is a great, like, kind of addition to the holidays. Because if you're feeling really good about playing Marvel Snap on Christmas, Celine's going to come out and say, nah, bro, like, <laughs> here to ruin the day for you. Dude, I can't. I, I'm, I'm in love with, like... <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> I, I'm in love with if Santa played, like, basketball and or paintball and or just was a gamer. If Santa was gaming, you know Santa games a little bit. He has to. What is he doing all... You know, he's got the elves to do the rest of it. I just want to know what he's doing. I just, you know what I mean? Like, he's not doing the presence. He's not supervising. He has, like, a hierarchy of elves. What is he doing all year? Playing Snap. He's playing Snap. Yeah, that's a perfect advertisement. What do you get, Pages? He's playing Snap. He's playing yeah. Snappy around and watching Alex Coach's Twitch channel. But yeah, yeah it's, like, it's something like that. Probably drinking eggnog and getting flirty with Mrs. Claus. Anyway, if your kids are listening, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays for those that are celebrating. Alex, listen, man, the OTA, we, we're going to break it all down. But what are we talking about on your side of the channel? Cozy, we're going to be talking about Havoc in review, giving our impressions of our first week with Havoc, an absolutely toxic card. And we're going to be talking about the top 10 worst cards in Marvel Snap's history. I cannot wait to have that conversation with Cozy. And finally, we're going to be doing our Christmas edition of the Snapchat mailbag. I can't wait to get into it. Are you a guy that puts up lights on the outside of your house? Oh, I got lights everywhere. My kids absolutely love it. Actually, there was a, a problem this year because so my kids really wanted like multicolored lights and my mm. wife's like, no, like we just do white classic lights. She wants like the incandescent soft white glow all around the house. She likes things being classy. I'm like, no, the kids, the kids, they want, they want some color. She's like, but the house is going to look tacky and stupid. I'm like, don't worry. I got it. 
Went to Costco. I bought. I spent like an absolute fortune. I bought like two thousand lights, a twelve foot Santa Claus that inflates on the front lawn. My wife, it's we're going full cringe here in in Canada. Yeah, don't worry, wife. I got it. I got a twelve foot Santa ready to rock. So, did you hang all these up yourself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not able to get like to the roof, roof, like because I kind of do like the, the rim of the garage and oh, stuff like that. I commit. do all the bushes. We have this like nice tree on the front where I actually did like the full wrap around. It's legit, man. It's pretty. The kids get hyped up when they pull up, and especially with Santa, because Santa's like huge. I drink like double when I'm doing the Christmas lights hang up. It's it's always like I'm like I can knock this out in two hours, and then it's like nine hours later the sun's going down. I'm I'm beaten. My back is broken. Like fun fact, dude. I used to I used to run a Christmas light installation business. What really? I always uh, wondered about that. Did you used to install the the Christmas lights in the soffits? So I did essentially. Dude, this is I look back. This is so funny. I was in college, man, and I, and this guy this guy came to my house pre college. He rolls up in like a like a Mercedes or something. He's like, yeah, man, I do Christmas lights. I'm like, no way. This is lucrative. I've got to do it right. So I go to the middle of nowhere, Lubbock, Texas, went to Texas Tech University. And I went, dude, I was playing Michael Buble in like October, knocking on doors because they do it early there. You know, they do it. Some people do it. You got to get out there. You got to beat the other people. And you go to the oldest neighborhoods, right? They, they can't do their lights. They can't do it. And they've got some money to blow. And dude, I was knocking door to door October. I probably looked like a maniac. You probably couldn't get away with it nowadays. And I asked people if I could hang their Christmas lights. No insurance, no clue what I was doing. Dude, we had like a hundred customers. I blew it away. I did it for two years. It was great. I probably burnt down a lot of houses. This, yeah. That's that's amazing. That's such a great idea. I wish I thought of it myself. Except here it's like colder, it rains all the time, and then it gets icy and slippery. Insurance and like some sort of like jacket with like the tether would probably be mandatory. Oh, dude, I look back and I was like, I'm lucky I didn't die. I was wearing like, and my dumbass was wearing like cowboy boots on a roof. I fell off, right? And I'm like, oh, the insurance will cover it. Wait. There is no insurance, so I just was in pain. But, you know, you're in college. You just, you wipe it up. But definitely had some, you know, I've had better days. We we forgot to tell the customers we don't take them down. We don't take the lights down. We just put them up. And that, that ah, didn't that's lead. key. I, I'm trying to picture you with, like, cowboy boots, like, climbing up a ladder into, like, onto, like, a roof and stuff. Like, just pure safety. Like, yeah, 100% safety. This is 100% safety. Can you imagine, though, somebody putting up, like, $1,000 of Christmas lights, and you're, like, 90. And then we're like, oh, we don't take them down. I'm wondering how many of these people still have them up. I feel bad. This was young. I mean, I was I was young pup. All right. But like, do you think they still have them up? Yes. Anyway, happy holidays. Let's go ahead and let's kick it. Let's talk about we have a lot. I know we want to get to the OTA. That's what a lot of people love to hear the feedback on. But let's start with Salim, the newest card coming out Tuesday, the day after Christmas. The the kind of a sad day, I feel like overall. Uh, you know, typically you you get the nice high of the holidays and you go down a little bit. Celine, my man. Let's talk about, if you don't know, she is a one-cost, negative one power. On reveal, afflict the lowest power card in each player's hand with negative three power. Alex, again, happy holidays. This card is going to just make people... You know what? I guess we're coming off the Christmas hump and we're like back to reality. This is a back to reality card for Marvel Snap. Initial star ratings. I think obviously the OTA... Took her down. I think I had her at about a four-star. I can start. That's fine. With much higher, like five-star must-have for junk to probably still essential in the junk. In the junk. I love that. I don't know. She's still really good. It, this, it went from like a four-star easily, no matter what, to we have to see. And I have her around three to four and a half now. Three being the, the could happen. 
I agree 100%. You know, basically it was a five-star card for junk, basically a two-star card everywhere else, if that. And now it's like, it's it's what happened around it that is caught in problematic for the card that brings down its overall value. It's still going to be an absolutely required card for that archetype. That much is clear. The archetype is going to be significantly weaker without Celine. It's like, it's actually waiting for Celine to come to save it a little bit. However, the changes around the Black Widow specifically is huge. And obviously Viper is huge too, but you still have a Nihilus. Those decks are still probably going to have Green Goblin. So like, I think the deck design might shift a little bit, but the really powerful synergistic pieces have changed enough to take me a little bit off Celine. I agree with your assessment. Probably about a three star now. Now, before, as always, we go into all the politics with Celine. Let's talk about the spotlight. Listen, say what you will. It's a, it's been a spicy month of spotlights and we continue the spice. We had a good blob week. Havoc was, you know, solid too with the cards available and Nico. Dude, Iron Lad is the card of cards. This is what people have been waiting for. How long have we been waiting for Iron Lad to finally be in a spotlight? Me, I've been waiting forever because the number one comment on my channel is, how do I replace Iron Lad? I'm actually sad. We're going to lose all that engagement. All that YouTube engagement is oh, going to be gone because no. we're going to have Iron Lad. It's a sad day for us YouTubers. But honestly, it's... 100% true. This is like one of the most absolute sought after cards in Marvel Snap. I get the question nonstop and it's an irreplaceable card. Yeah. Its ability is never replicated, never intimidated or imitated. Uh, maybe it's intimidating, but anyways, I'm getting confused. But what I will say is what's not confusing is how good Iron Lad is because he's incredible. Yeah, the spotlight variant is the most scary thing I've ever laid my eyes upon. I was, maybe you love it. I, you know, it, no, it's but, terrible. It's, I, I can't even, I hope I don't roll. I it. legit did like a, oh! Like, what, what am I looking at here? But guys, on top of Iron Lad, oh, you have a Constellation Prize and a very fun card and good yeah. in Ebony Blade Black Knight. So I, I'm, I'm telling you that, guys, this discard is on the rise. February is going to be a sweet month, and so Black Knight's going to get really good by then. So this is a good week. It's it, This is a great week. I'm telling you guys, it's definitely up there on my list of weeks that you might want to consider going for on the spotlight. And for that alone, Anseline's a banger. Seems like another, like, you gotta get it. If you do play junk, at least, and you don't have maybe Iron Lad. Let's go and talk about some synergies where we best see her. And I think, really, there's a lot to start with, but let's start with the junk. And more so, let's look at the ability. On reveal, afflict the lowest power card in each player's hand with negative three, right? So, what cards do you want to afflict, right? So, my kind of initial thoughts is you gotta go with the hood to start things out, right? Like, the hood getting things kicking and rolling, adding to your hood that you probably plan on destroying or pushing in one way or another is going to be one of the key targets. But obviously, we both can just sit here and say, it's going to be the goblins. I mean, just adding, maybe not even Hob, adding to Green Goblin here and making him a three negative six. A three negative six, Alex. I mean, this is a five negative eight, which negative 11 is great, but once you're at negative eight, you're already pushing so much garbage, right? This is this is a lane altering card. Absolutely. And don't forget, there's value to occupying the opponent's space on the board as well. Like that is worth something. You don't see a power reflection of it, but you are obstructing your opponent's ability to play in that location, which can be absolutely huge, right? And so, yeah, these synergies are going to be incredible. The only thing is, is that you're going to want them in the hand. And that's one thing that takes a little bit of power off of Selene is that if you're holding Selene and you don't have one of the goblins there, you're like, man, I kind of actually want to play the card it's going to hit. You know what I mean? And yeah. that kind of feels bad. So that 
that that makes the card feel a little more fair, but you're always going to have Green Goblin and Hobgoblin in the deck. You have one of two chances to hit one of them. And uh, no, you're right. It's it's a huge power play. I think it's a snappable condition if you do hit the Green Goblin with a negative three. So obviously, like when I think Goblin, right, the first thing that comes to mind, what is this going to skyrocket in popularity? I'm telling you guys, it's going to happen. You thought you had problems with other cards. This is going to make Galactus decks all around. If you want Galactus to come back, here's your ticket, right? Oh no, your Null has negative three. Doesn't matter. You can now maybe even get an Annihilus Galactus build together, something that works with some uh, synergy there. Bro, this is Galactus's deck. Getting the Goblin at negative six, your opponent is going to be abandoning at least the first couple of weeks, play Galactus like crazy with this card because people are not going to be assuming it, right? They should but they're not going to. I think this is going to be the biggest rise in Galactus once this card comes out. It's a great call out because even when Annihilus came out and Sentry was being tested with Annihilus, there were Galactus decks being tested and they were good. They were positive 50% win rates. They had positive cube rates. They just weren't the optimal version of Annihilus. And so people kind of forgot they existed. You could actually play Galactus Annihilus deck right now and be successful. Like it, it is a good deck. It's just kind of faded from people's memories. That's kind of what's interesting about Marvel Snap's meta sometimes where good decks kind of get forgotten about. But like, yeah, no, I agree 100%. Like when you have a negative 11 hob on your side, it's like, well... I think G-Man might be coming for a visit. Yeah, like Ravona Galactus potentially is being a thing. And honestly, just Ravona, we've never had a card that can take... It's kind of interesting. If As long as it's below Ravona's power, we haven't had a card that can inflict your own hand with negative. And Ravona, it does work like that. Like Bast will ruin Ravona's synergy. So you could technically discount any card of your choosing. Even... It can't be Galactus, but it'd have to be under that one and down you know, threshold. But that's some synergy that we're cooking up here. And you can get that Hobgoblin for negative 11. You can get the Green Goblin. You can Warpath, throw him off a little bit. You have, you know, Elioth doesn't matter. Noel doesn't matter if they get hit, even if you don't draw the Goblins. This is a win more for Annihilus. Annihilus is already so good. And the Sentry play is so hard to kind of work out together. Now, keep in mind, sending the Hood at negative 6 and Selene, right? Selene's negative 1. Selene is negative 1. So she's going to be in that package of cards that Annihilus sends over. No, I agree 100%. And like, honestly, that's kind of why I took a little bit of like a star off because it does have a narrow application. However, it's going to be a standout here. It's absolutely going to be a standout. And I want to also mention another synergy, which I am most excited for, because there's going to be times where, you know, you're going to have a turn one Selene and you, you're holding on to Hob or you're holding on to Green Goblin and you're very comfortable throwing it out there because like, you know, it's just going to hit something in their hand. After the OTA changes, I know we got pretty excited about like Black Widow and doing the follow-up play, you know, Werewolf by Night, you know, we knew that the junk bounce would be good, which I still think, again, as we've kind of talked about, will be good. Viper, it's like they knew that Celine was going to bust it wide open. They knew Celine was going to be the final cog piece. And whereas those combos are still going to work and you still can use like Celine to Widow's Bite a turn later on four. Viper, you can do as well, but it's going to be, again, later per se, right? Because of the three who I think got hit probably the most, which we'll talk about on the OTA recap. Yeah, right? doesn't it seem like they got ahead of it? Yeah, they did. And like, it's a shame because like, I actually really think that those synergistic plays were a huge part of Celine's appeal. And I think it takes a little bit off because you might be thinking, Alex, it's only one turn later. But like, if you think about like Black Widow's disruptive effect, it's most effective early in the game, right? It yeah. has that knock on effect of not drawing a card on turn two or three. And it's like, well, damn it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so when you delay that, you do inherently reduce the power of that effect. So I think it's a big 
change. It really is a big change, but uh, perhaps it had to happen, right? If their testing is showing that it's way too uh, detrimental, because as it is, a nihilist in these types of disruption-based decks are huge, are huge, right? So Yeah, uh, dude, I, I honestly think this deck was going to absolutely destroy, and in the worst way, like, it's funny, like, destroy decks can be on top of the meta, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, the Deadpool getting 50 power. But if it's junk for three weeks and everybody's on holiday, it's bad, right? We have Widowbite shooting out Selene's and, and Nihilus's and Hood's. The werewolf was already just so dang good that I feel like they didn't want to lean into it more and into the bounce archetype even more so, right? The Havoc play has been pretty nice too. We'll talk about Havoc on your side, right? But they kind of addressed that with Viper as well. You know, I was playing Junk Bounce with Havoc. I still think Selene is a very, very good card. But yeah, this will definitely have her take a hit. Lastly, Alex, let's uh, kind of put the bow on Celine. We have two last things to talk about. Don't know how we didn't mention it, but for one, let's end this topic with what are the biggest cards to target? Where Celine can also just really hurt opponent's decks? I think it's clear as day, right? Like Iron Man is just a just a brutal, I mean, a game-ending card if Celine hits that. Anything on the top of your head? I mean, off the top of my head, like like any like Darnum Zola. Not that Zola really matters anyway. Because actually, no, I take that back. Because Zola's always zero. Usually, throw in that location anyways. It's always been Iron Man. It's been really frustrating. I think for for most players. But honestly, like if you think about it, just anything that it hits is good, right? Like there's obviously going to be cards that like so later in the game cards that like you're holding with with low powers. Cerebros, Mystiques. You might be holding on turn six is huge too, right? You tend to hold those back a little bit. I mean, but at the end of the day, like honestly. I think that if you play Celine early and it hits a card, it's going to discourage the person from playing that card. Like they're like, oh, I want to play this rescue, but like now I really don't want to play rescue because of that damn negative three. Like I think it's just an, it's a deterrent on whatever card it hits. And I think that like it's important to note that like we might, it's almost like Iceman where it kind of derails their plan a little bit because yeah. they're like, man, do I actually now really want to play this card? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and Cerebro was a great point. I mean, that ruined Cerebro decks, which are getting a small uptick. But also, I, I don't want to uh, just glaze by like Arnim Zola there. Because I'm going to be honest, if there's a Black Panther in a lane, it, there's times where like you don't attack that lane. Or maybe not Black Panther, Blob, I don't know, whatever. Arnim Zola targets. You don't attack that lane as the opponent. And there are times where it's 0-0. Zero to zero, And you're hoping that Arnim Zola can tie that, just the 0-0, zero, zero, keeps it at that, and then you, you know, split it up, right? Negative 3, you then... You're losing that lane like completely, right? I get what you're saying, but I think it also could hurt, you know, more than you might think. Well, that takes us to our next subject, and that is one dude. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. I don't want to interrupt, but I got a question. I was thinking about this, okay? We got Christmas Day today. Okay. It's important that we figure something out. Cozy, you are one of the finest groomed gentlemen on the internet. <laughs> it's been established. We know that. This is, this is fact. This, I'm is not this just making stuff up here. Now, I have a question for you. Do you cut down your tree? Do you have like a fresh tree in your house? Or I, I suspect that Cozy Snap has a fake tree because you like it just perfect. Oh my God. I, I thought, first of all, that could have been like a Manscaped like ad or something like at the end, just be like, and by the way, you oh, too can. That. Oh, okay. Okay. I was just making sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, we already talked about the Alex Kocha diaries and the Fifty Shades of Kocha. Anyway. Yes. I am. I'm a fake. I'm a, I'm a fake tree guy. I, I, here's the thing. I think it's where you grow up, man. I grew up in Texas, you know, like we didn't have options. I don't even think they had Christmas tree farms. In fact, I dare say, I don't even know if I knew it was an option. I think one year my mom did it and like, she's like, okay, let's get a, you know, real one. And it was so much upkeep. She's like, no, we're done with it. And I've gone fake ever since, man. I've gone fake. It's not snow and buzz. It's not a white Christmas. It's a brown dead Christmas over here outside. Yeah. yeah. 
Too much upkeep. Are you referring to watering it? I don't know. It wasn't my words. I was, you know, I was a young pup. I, I, apparently, my mother hated, hated, you know, the, the real tree. I think there's an actual pretty big separation of fan base here, man. I think there is a big fake tree club, and I, I'm happy to be a part of it. I mean, listen, I, I know you said you're from Texas, and it's like, I'm just trying to understand, like, what were you putting in the, the tree? Like, it's just water. It's not that hard. Were you putting, like, oil in there? Like, were, like, were you, you, like, welling to get some oil for the tree? Yeah. Actually, I had not thought about this, but are there evergreen trees in Texas? There can't be, right? It's way too hot No, there. it's cedar. It's, look at a cedar tree. It's the ugliest tree. It's, like, God's mistake. It's just a terrible, it's a disgusting tree. You don't. Oh, I didn't realize you guys didn't put. You don't put like Christmas trees in. You get a tree and just call it a Christmas tree. So you just like cut down like a like a like a regular tree. Just no, like, so there's not even an evergreen. No, they import just them. Your house? The, 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 the importing exists. Importing and exporting. You seen Seinfeld? It they existed. You know, we're not putting you have any trucks tree. in Texas. Let's get to the subject. Okay, Are you good? Is that satisfy your question? It doesn't satisfy my question. I'm actually upset, but you've answered it. Thank you. So we can establish you are also a fake tree. Kind of guy? No, I, I get out there. I'm in the snow. I cut down my tree. My kids pick the tree. I cut it down with a saw. I carry it over my shoulder like an actual lumberjack in Canada. And sometimes because it's too big, sometimes I try to squeeze it into the car over the, the seats of the kids because the, the place they kind of wind the tree. So it's like really tight. Sometimes I got to like strap it to the roof and stuff. You eat like a bowl of nails after that, have some, you know, Jack Daniels, like any other manly things you need to do once you've done that? So yeah, after I put up the tree, what I do is I put up the Christmas lights and I stand outside for about half hour and I just headbutt the wall of my house like this, okay. just okay. to kind of get in the mood. It's full and circle. then I put up the okay. lights. Yeah. 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 Dude, I'm wearing a turtleneck, you know, it's like, I kind of, does this look like I'm cutting down Christmas trees? Probably not. Does it look like I'm cutting down Christmas trees? Da- Absolutely. <laughs> Most busted cards in Marvel Snap. This is a very fun subject, dude. It actually took me back. I really had to think about it. We're not going to do the beta because there's some truly wacky, stupid stuff in the beta because they were just like testing stuff out. Since Marvel Snap's inception and it launched, what were the best cards ever to exist in the game? You guys think the woes of today are bad? No, we've escaped them. And Alex and I have made separate top tens. And we're going to put them to the test. Starting with number 10. Now, I do want to say, uh, this is a good one to say, do you have any honorable mentions here? I think there are some tough ones to divide. I do have some honorable mentions that I'd like to make if possible. Now, some of these have not been completely utterly broken, but for instance, an honorable mention, how do you not mention Dr. Doom? I don't know if Dr. Doom ever makes the top 10 because like he was never broken, but consistently one of the absolute best cards in Marvel Snap that got nerfed for such a small point in time. And even the developers like, no, we can't do this. We can't nerf Dr. Doom. He's never been broken. He's always been consistently one of the best cards in the game, but he's never been a problem. Dr. Doom deserves a mention. Oh, dude, I have all of mine are just like they could never exist today. They just could never and Dr. Doom exists. So maybe maybe that speaks to it. But okay, I like it. I have Lockjaw as one of my honorable mentions when you could throw in as many as you want. Really good. Don't get me wrong. It could never exist today. But as far as like where it was, how good it was, he's right out of my top 10. And that just shows how insanely cracked some of these cards are. And I also have Quinjet there, which is another like, what? How do you have Quinjet? It just couldn't compare to the other 10 that I had on my list. It's funny that you bring up these one drops. Cause like for me, just outside the top 10 for me is, was the OG sunspot, like sunspot, like it's mm-hmm. easy to forget how prevalent sunspot was. Yep. Like if you go back to some of our prior Snapchats, we were talking about how like 
like Sunspot was regularly a one nine or one twelve or like some stupid amount depending on the meta. Yep. Sunspot was one of the absolute staple one drops, and it didn't get nerfed a lot. Like it was just what was it a one one to a one zero? But the meta evolved around it so much, right? And destroy yep. really came into being as like we got a couple months where destroy got a lot of tools and Sunspot fell off. But like there was a long time where Sunspot was the only one drop you would have to play. Yeah, no, seriously, there, there's dude, there's so many cards that I thought back on. I was like. How do I not include it? It's so tough to like, there's three here at the bottom, like eight and up seven and up. I'm like done. I like, those are obvious to me. The ones right here on the cusp, like one I wanted to mention was dark Hawk. I forgot what they did to him, but I'm pretty sure he had like extra power to his name too. And like, he, he was like even more busted than he was now. Yeah. I barely remember it. Cause it was a very short stint live. He only, it was, was in December two at launch. Was it a 4-2? Dude, I think it was a 4-2 or 4-3, which is so silly. Like, I can't even, I can't even conjure why that was, that was it. Someone can help us out there. I know, I know all the specifics on the ones in my top 10, but I left him kind of right out just because of that. It was busted, but Darkhawk was already, like, already good, and then that made him even better kind of thing. But anyway, let's start it, man. Number 10 for you, bud. Thanos. Thanos with the Lockjaw free... Th Wait, hold on. This is like the Lockjaw-Thanos combination. So this is half Lockjaw, half Thanos. He was absolutely busted. But the reason why I dropped him down... Cozy's already upset. I told you not to let me start, man. I told you you were going to get upset. You made me do it. Snappy Claws is defensive. All right, we just start. You haven't even said anything. You're just giving me that look. I know what you're thinking, Cozy. What if but I anyways. was just like, great pick, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great pick, Alex. It's also my number 10 is what Cozy's going to say. I mean, Cozy, we literally went months with this card under discovered in the meta like completely unplayed until it finally took off dominated and then resulted in the eventual nerf to lockjaw and for me listen i get it i you listen i gotta admit when thanos came out you said alex this is gonna be the card that takes you to infinite and guess what my first infinite was on the back of thanos lockjaw so i respect this card it has a very special place in my heart dude thanos love the big bad for me my tent it's gotta be galactus now people kind of forget first of all he had more power. Second of all, dude, you didn't have to be winning the location. You could play him wherever you wanted to play him. And then it was just about priority. And then you just Shang-Chi him. Goodbye. Can you imagine this with Elith and the Shang-Chi together? This card was not only was he like the most villainous card, I think, in Snap, but on top of that, he could never exist today. For that reason, I got him at number 10. We just finished talking about him, but he's definitely was just a new force to be reckoned with. He was. And like when he took over the meta, damn, like just damn. I have no other word for it. When Galaxus was 12% of the meta, everyone who played Marvel Snap felt it. Yeah. Felt it differently. You felt it when you went to bed. Like you laid in bed, you stared at your ceiling, and you saw the hand of Galactus ruining your mm. dreams. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, dude. I totally feel it. Number nine. Now, this is a little recent, a little more of some recency bias here, but am I going to call out the original 6-5 Eliath? Like, do we have to not talk about how Eliath is legit, like an absolutely insane release? Now, it wasn't, like when we talk about broken, sometimes I wonder like, man, there were cards that were a little on the higher end, but I don't think anything shook up the game as much as this Eliath did. And continues to shake up the game as much as Eliath has. So I think it deserves a place. It literally deletes unrevealed cards. It used to delete every single card that was played regardless of its effect, right? I mean, listen, I cannot believe how overtuned that card came out as. Like 6-5 yeah. that deleted everything? Absolutely wild. Yeah, for sure, man. I don't have him on my list. I think he definitely was very polarizing. 
you know, I don't think anyone, I think people could still argue that today that he's still one of the most busted to ever come out. So I'm glad that he was on one of our two lists. No question. Nine is where I had a difficult because I was going between two cards. One had to be left off for actually some recent cards kind of to your statement there. But ultimately, I had to go with the OG wave. One that I forgot that I didn't have on. And if you're going to talk about it later, I can definitely just not talk about it. But a beast, the 2-2 beast was like, what the hell? Like, you're looking back. I'm like, people forget how good that was. But wave, wave, listen, even though wave wasn't glaring crazy, wave five, Death Wave, you can't ignore it. You can't ignore how good she was, how many synergies she provided. She was virtually in like every deck, right? Like Doom Wave was everywhere in the meta. How do we not talk about her as one of the most busted in the game? Yeah. No, you you are right. She doesn't. She's not in my top ten, but honestly, like she probably should be. And this has been one of the most influential cards. Not just like busted. Like we talk about busted. Sometimes we're we're gonna be talking about cards that like legitimately like almost destroyed Marvel. Broken. Snap, right? yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> but like Wave was never quite there, like never quite destroying the game, but like so damn close, like skirting to the point of like completely destroying Marvel Snap. Like it was the highest you could fly without ever like having a dedicated Reddit post about you on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Like that's what Wave did. It was just powerful enough (laughs) that no one and everyone wanted to use it, but it wasn't like an Eliath. It wasn't a Galactus. It was like it just slid under the radar dude, enough to survive as long as it did. I love that when people just like decide like, hey, guys, we all good with this. OK, let's just yeah. don't tell on me. I won't tell on you kind of thing. And and then there's other cards where it's the picket signs. Right. Next up is number eight, Alex. Eight. I mean, listen, I it has to be on your list, too. I'm going with that OG leader. OG leader was absolutely disgusting. Disgusting. It literally copied every single card your opponent played, but it had some fairness to it because if you didn't have any room on your side of the board, it didn't copy, but it also had a very disgusting thing, which it still does today. If you actually threw initiative on purpose and they played Silver Surfer, for instance, not only would you copy their server, uh, Silver Surfer, but you would copy their boosted cards and then boost them again. That was by far the most disgusting thing about Leader. For me, number eight, the OG Leader was absolutely just a train wreck of a card. Alex is completely smashed on Eggnog. He's smashed, guys. Hey, the, the, the Leader's got to be higher. It's got to be. It's <laughs> I, I knew it. Buddy, I, you have no idea, bud. It had to happen. There goes my monetization right there. No, listen, man. I'm not even going to talk about Leader because of the disrespect. We'll talk about one of the most busted cards in Snap history. No question next. For me, next up comes Silver Surfer. I think a lot of people think this card was better than it was. You can almost look back at it and be like, man, I almost want this to come back a a little bit, right? But not fully because it was really good for the meta at the time. We didn't have like anything that we have today. Sure, we didn't have Zaba. We didn't have nothing, right? We had Thanos, but you know, prior to he was good. So I have him a little lower than I used to have him. I used to think he was like the most busted card, but it's like, eh. I think there's way more ways to deal with it when you look at the grand scheme of things nowadays. I'd much rather have this than leader back, for example, something or, or whatever other examples we brought up. Yeah. Do you have him later? We can talk about him. Thoughts? I have him next, actually. So it's the perfect time to talk about him. He was my number seven. Like, we almost actually nailed it. And like, yeah, so he was a 3-0 that did plus three. And it just created so much scaling. And it was it was actually like the brood, specifically. It was so insane at plus three buffed. And then you had in the Nova, the natural tech with Killmonger. It was just crazy how good these decks were. And I honestly think that this was a very good change. 3-2 plus 2. 
a very well done nerf to the card that also made it feel relevant. So ultimately, I'm happy where, where Silver Surfer is now. It doesn't have the verticality, like Sebastian Shaw helps with it, it's verticality yeah. a little bit, but it was completely broken at release. I wish I even played more of it. That's the one thing I take away from making this deck. I'm like, man, I wish I played more of the OG leader, man. Man, I wish I played yep. more of the OG Silver Surfer. Like, it's crazy, Dude, but like... Right? It's wild, right? How crazy these cards were. And I didn't even play. Yeah, like I avoided playing them for whatever reason. I was like, oh, I'll make these other Dazzler decks. And then this, these were just like killing me over here. But yeah, so I have that. At, you had that at number seven. My number seven was Leech. Now, this was another card that I was like, wait, this was so toxic. I can't believe it. But honestly, it was always a five cost, right? And it could affect your, your hand no matter what turn. They, they changed it to six. You can't ramp it out. Like, at the time, it sucked, but I think, like, if I look at the grand scheme of things, I'm like, I think I could get over... Like, Leech coming out on five is what I kind of always hated. You're kind of screwed no matter what. Like, these days, you know, if Leech comes out, you're having a tough time either way. And it's funny, because Leech had this drop-off forever. For, like, six months after he got touched up, and he was still as good as he is right now, right? But the Leech days were so tough to deal with, bud. So Leech is actually on my honorable mentions. Didn't make my top 10. But what I want to mention as well is that Leech was also a product of the original Lockjaw because you would Lockjaw yep. Thanos and he'd come rolling out on turn three and just dismantle your entire game plan, right? Yep. So that was one of the, the grossest parts about Leech because Leech gained popularity right when Lockjaw Thanos was literally spiraling yep. out of control at like a 64% win rate. I think, was it the highest win rate deck in Snap's history? It must pretty, have been close. Yeah, pretty much. Leech leader were the first decks, which like just thinking about that, that was like the first, that was when I met like Gara for the first time because I think I like, he made the deck and I was like, that. Yeah. What is this atrocity? Because remember, dude, that was the first ever deck that just took over Snap. I remember playing and it was all you're running up against. And I was like, what's happening? What? Why is this the only card we're going up against? And back then it was just the fight to infinite. So yeah, no question. Just a tough card to face, man. What do you got at number six? Number six. I mean, listen, I know this is probably your number one. Number one in your heart, at least. Pull her up. Five, nine. It's Arrow. Wow. That OG Arrow. Okay. I mean, it's was it not a thing of beauty? pulling every single card they played into whatever the hell location you wanted. I, I still can't believe the card existed as it did there. And like, if you're saying, Alex, honestly, you, I, I'm doing you like completely disgusting here and like it should be way higher. Like I would agree. I couldn't do it emotionally, but I'm telling you, OG Arrow has to have been one of the most disgusting cards in Snap's history. So two things. First of all, guys, we got this sheet of creators and everything they like, they did like a questionnaire before Conquerors. And one of the things is what is your most hated card? And everybody's got, you know, like Loki, Loki, Loki. And then I just see Arrow, and I'm like, who? And it was your boy Snappy Claws. I was like, you SOB, just to get it out of me there. And secondly, buddy, how dare you? This was my number six, actually. I had Arrow right here. I had Arrow really? right here, buddy. Yeah, no so, oh, so good, dude. I think she could, in some form and fashion, survive today even with them. Like, because of how Dexter played out, like, nowhere near. She's way too good. They'd have to, like, mess with her power. I think she's like a 5'6 at the time, though. So maybe 5'7, uh, maybe I, I think, is what she was. Moving every card they played was so cool, man. It was such a great effect. And I feel like, like, Elioth is the only one with this huge, like, oh, effect at the end here. Whereas, like, if you had, like, Arrow, it's kind of cool. Because it's like, you could move their Elioth and, and stop what they're trying to do. Like, you know what I mean? I, I kind of missed some of that for her. But she, man, I'll never forget the multiple conversations of having her at the top of my pool three tier list. One of my most viewed videos I ever had back in the day. And everyone's like, Arrow... Cozy, you're, you're, you're on opium, copium. Dude, and finally people came around to like, oh, Arrow's completely cracked. 
And then we started to see her in more Death Wave. The reason I'm so associated with her was this was my most played card from the beginning of Snap until she died. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, she was the original Elias. Yeah. The whole strategy around Arrow was win two locations and Arrow the third. <laughs> like, that was literally what you did, right? But you're going to get mad. I don't want to say my five because you're going to get upset. You've said that on every pick, so go ahead. Tell me. All right. Five for me is High Evo. OG High Evo. Even, like, High Evo now. Like, you really didn't get nerfed that much. I mean, High Evo, I think, is still absolutely cracked. When we saw High Evo be announced, we're like, guys, listen, not just the performance. This is the thing I want to really kind of talk about here. It's not just the performance high of High Evo because it's still a phenomenal shell to this moment. It's the fact that it exists. The fact that one Series 5 card, a big bad, changed all these other cards that you've had in your collection. They even said, the developers are like, you know what, it started as just like kind of like a joke idea. Someone said, hey, what if we did this? And they're like, wait a minute, let's actually do it. You basically got a package of cards. It was like, it was like a buy one, get six free type thing. Just, I just, I love it. I love it. It's, it's one of the best releases they've ever done. A little OP at times, and it has been a tremendous performer. High Evil for me, number five. I just, I love it. I love it so much. So I, like, I love you. I, I love that you have care and passion for High Evil. The eggnog's gone to you. Now, if you would have said like number 10, High Evil, I'd be like, oh yeah, it was pretty good. Solid pick. You're telling me better than leader, better than arrow. He completely took over the meta, but the nice thing about it was that like he was just good enough that he was able to survive way longer than those cards did because he consistently put up insane points, but never felt disgusting to play against. The only reason why he really got targeted was because everyone was friggin' playing him. But like, if you think about leader, for instance, he got, he kind of got put down pretty fast. Right. Sorry. What was the other the other one that we were just talking? Oh, Leech lasted a little longer. Leech lasted a little longer than Leader did. But like High Evo to this day has not changed all that much. It's yeah. still pretty like they nerfed the thing's ability slightly. Right. Like it it still holds like the same identity it always has and has slid under the radar as one of the best cards in the game. The thing for five is I can't put High Evo above this card because I need to really recency bias has gotten is taken hold i need to now steer the ship and we need to talk about him and i could put him at number one at times but it was because he was with lockjaw and everything that you said before truly buddy we need to talk about thanos okay so thanos on your list was he was on it i don't want to talk about lockjaw quinjet we don't need to talk about his surrounding pieces let's just talk thanos now he was a little lower power i believe oh no he went up to whatever he didn't go up to 20 that's all i remember i don't care about any of that okay you're talking about a card that could do its own thing and just rule the game. Brother, the original Space Stone was the, the most busted thing that I think I've ever seen in Snap and went up against. It made, this is why it's like, I don't even know how I don't put this higher. I, I don't, it, this, they're all the same. Five and above, they broke the game. The Space Stone, where you could move a card to or from that location, completely killed control completely killed the way decks are played would completely kill all the decks out right now that rely on this the space stone was the most busted card in the thanos package but then if you just continue to go down the line and you look at all the other stones that got hit obviously the mind stone just was recent but you look at the uh, the soul stone on top of this too the soul stone being able to give draw the heyday and the utility of thanos but most importantly was that space throw the space stone that's why i've got him where i've got him here and i think he's one of the craziest cards to exist 
No, you're right. Like the space stone was absolutely insane. It was one of the most powerful effects in the game because like you could literally lockjaw and then just slide something out and lockjaw again. Like it was basically a free lockjaw cycle, right? And it's just, it's crazy how many straight bullets this guy has taken. Yeah. And it's not like Thanos went from a five, a six, nine to a six, 10. And so, yeah, he gained two power with the, but how often do you play 20 Thanos? Like what? Never? Like how often I do you never, do it? I was actually never? thinking about this. I never play Thanos. Like I never play the Thanos almost ever, which yeah. is so funny to think, right? Yeah. Cause you never have room for it. Cause you play Timestone, you play Professor X, then you end up a lie thing or blobbing. <laughs> You're never yeah. playing Thanos. Like if you want a big stat stick, you blob, right? You go blah, 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 blah. And he's just way bigger than Thanos is. And then otherwise you just a lieth. like, it's, it's, you're right. It's the stones. It's the package. I mean, Thanos has got stones himself. We know that. But what I mean is like, he's obviously like, it's the entire yep. thing, the archetype. That's truly tremendous. What do you have at number four? Okay. Now we got to start getting onto common ground here. These are, these we top four to are like the point. most disgusting cards. They're, yeah, they're the most all, disgusting they're all cards just in busted. Yeah, busted. Stupid. And I can't wait for you to mention one that I forgot. That's, that's the other thing I'm dreading here because, you know, we don't show our list in advance of each other and one of us is going to miss something. We know that. Yeah, oh, so. for sure. Right, dude. All right. Hit me. Number four. OG Shuri. OG Shuri. It absolutely Ooh. dominated for the longest time. Cozy. What do you think? So, Okay. I want to know like your other ones too, but we can't yet. It's my next one. So I'll talk about it now. That's fine. I have Shuri at number three. Okay. Now number four, number three, but yeah. busted guys, you could play your card anywhere and it would get the double power busted on busted on busted. I couldn't believe this lasted so long. My God, this could be number one. Again, I think every card I've mentioned here could just be the, it broke snap. It did, people didn't know what to do from this point. There had to be a patch. There had to be an emergency, like hit the red button. You could double your power wherever, man. Like, that is so good. So, I just can't believe it existed. You know what I mean? Like, because the biggest thing is, you're like, well, why is that that big of a deal? Well, Alex, first, it was a 4-2, if that means anything. But more importantly than that, it took away the read. Like, nowadays, you know what to do against Shuri, right? They could play anywhere. They could put this power anywhere. And that's what made it so damn hard to top, right? So that, by far was the biggest Sherry's her own big bad. Yeah, and like the package around her as well had not been nerfed yet. Like pre-nerf Red Skull, what was it, a 28? Was it 28, I think it was? It's 15. It was up get to 15. 30? It got to 30, bro. It got to 30. I like see I can't even remember. Like it was so like, I'm trying to erase it from my memory, but pre-nerf right? Red Skull was absolutely nuts. Like the whole thing was crazy. And then you add Sauron to the mix as well. Like, it's just, the it had win condition after win condition, and there were no soul reads. You couldn't soul read. Nope. And at best, you're like, well, I'm going to sauce Shang-Chi out there and hope for the best, right? Like, yep. that's all you could really do. Yep. And if, yep. like, the only way you could ever beat Shuri is if you somehow magically was able to flip the Red Skull lane. But you never were able to via straight power. You never had initiative. And so, like, it was so tricky. Taskmaster, at the time, Taskmaster, even if you Shang-Chi'd the Red Skull, Taskmaster would be like, hey, zip into the graveyard. I'll copy that. Thank you very much, right? Yeah. And uh, as actually your boy that said, hey, we got to get rid of this Taskmaster scan in the graveyard stuff. That's yeah. like old school Snapchat right there. But anyways, yeah, the whole thing was a disaster. Oh, such a disaster, man. So that meant, meant at number four for me, this is where I had Loki at launch, you know, Silly, dude. I mean, obviously, we like you have to say, well, the collector with them. I, I looked at Thanos independently, so I'm going to look at the same. It was a 3-5. The packages around it were cracked. The game was cracked. No one knew what to do about it. Everyone was so stoked at how cool it was until they realized, like, my God, what have we done? It was the same with Eliath. It was the same with any of these big cards. High Evo had his heyday, too. 
where people are like, I can't wait for this card, only for a week later for people to despise it. Loki was the king, the captain of that ship, and uh, he came in at number four for me. My number three. So we okay. swapped right there, right? So, nice. yeah, we're, we're almost right at each other there. So I agree. And it's crazy because, like, I know you were so hyped up for Loki. You were like, yeah, this card, oh, it's me. Away. It's exactly how I want to play this game. And, like, we didn't expect it to be as overtuned as what we, I think we knew it was going to be good. Like, I think you were like, no, this card's going to be good. The discounting cards, it's always good in Marvel Snap. We, we, that's what we said over and over again. Discounting cards is never bad in Snap, right? We, I was blown away at how good it was. Blown away. You had uh, Quinjet Synergy, but just even without Quinjet, it was just so good. And what was crazy about it is like, hey, whatever you have in your deck, like we, we were playing it up like, oh, you're copying your opponent's deck. How good that can that be? Well, like who's making trash to your decks? Like no Dude, one's making, no one's going into ladder with absolute garbage. For whatever reason, like Loki wasn't seen as a threat. But yes, who's playing bad deck? They're like, well, what are you going to do with a discounted brood? It's like, who gives a damn? You have the rest of the cards too that you can then just completely, yeah. Loki, we know about it by now, completely busted. Two and one. I know we've got the same one. It has to happen. So what's your two? My number two is everyone's favorite pet kitty. It's not Goose. It's Zabu. Zabu's my Zabu one. Zabu from number two. That's Zabu's, your one? Who's, who's your two? Your one. My number one is OG Kitty Pride. Oh, dude, I didn't even put her on my list. No, I don't think. Whoa, it, why? You forgot about OG Kitty Pride. One of us was going to do it. I don't know One if I would put her. Do I don't know if I would put. I'm trying to think of every card that I mentioned here, and if I hated the OG Kitty Pride the most. Oh, you mean like when it was like broken, broken? Like it didn't yes. even have a week when in the game. You could select it, choose to bring it back to your hand. Uh, it did the whole zip thing, dude. That it didn't even like, exist, dude. It was one day. It lasted one it was day. One day. One day. But I got yep. to play with it for that one That's day. Fair. I'm telling you, it was the best card in Snap's history. It was yep. so fun and interactive. That's fun. It could stay on the board if you wanted to. You could pull it back. You could move it. It was so. Oh, dude, I love that you play. could pull it. Yeah, the mechanics. I hope return around it. It was so brief, I, kudos, because it was so brief that I'm like, I didn't even think of it as like something that players had to endure. But if we're just talking what the title is, most busted cards in Snap history, Bingo Bongo, buddy. Love it, man. actually killed the game. Yeah, yeah it literally killed the game. It. Dude, great pick there. Uh, I, I love it. My two was leader. Well, hold on. Well, two leader, one Zabu. Let's talk about Zabu quickly. You'll like, what do we not? So what do we have to say? We've talked about it before. Zabu was stupid. Zabu was busted. Zabu was allowing you to play forecast cards for one, bro. Like what? What else yeah. we got to say about it, you know? I still, to this day, sometimes I, I go to bed after a hard night's work, recording the Snapchats, I'm editing, three in the morning, lay in bed. I close my eyes, and I see in my dreams, Spider-Man absorbing men. Yeah, and I'm just like, no. I wake up, I'm like this, I'm like sweating. My wife's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. Yeah, friendly baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I heard that. Friendly name. Friendly. And I was like, God, I, I swear to God, you're anything but friendly. Yeah, like that was the beginning of the end of that Spider-Man package, uh, like him existing so bad. And you had the Absorbing Man. And you had all these other forecast cards that could go with it. Oh, by the way, sure, he existed in that world, which like, what the <laughs> hell? Like just so stupid, so busted. Don't know who signed off on that one but clearly died very quickly. Zabu had to be there. And then I had leader at two. So leader for me, man, I think you're doing a disservice of having as low as you did, man. Copying every card the opponent played. Every card. And that was before we even were good at snap. The community sucked at snap, bro. Like nowadays with that kind of power, it would not, no one would be playing the game. I mean, it was so busted. The fact that you got the stats afterwards too was the extra funny bit of the entire thing and getting all the surfers broods and they're boosted already and then 
depending on the ordering sequence, you could get the broods out. And then if they played Surfer last, you get the broods that are already boosted. And then you would also get the <laughs> stupid man. It was the most busted card, in my opinion, in Snap's history. Leader man, I miss him in ways because of just how funny and ridiculous this guy was as a card. I had him at number two. What a segment. That's like, that was one of my favorite. We're going to do that every now and then because I think it's just like a fun thing to revisit. But people have been waiting. we got to talk about the OTA. We're going to talk about the winners and the losers of this patch. You ready? I'm ready, buddy. Let's start with Ronin at the top. Now, I don't know if it's the most, the most exciting change. At the same time, though, we have been begging for Ronin to be good or viable in some sense. Alex, we got our wish. I truly think, not even because of him, but the changes around him as well. Ronin is going to have, he's going to have some viability. It feels like he has a bit of a higher floor, which is nice, right? Like the, the ceiling on Ronin is now going to surpass that of Devil Dinosaur, but the challenge has always been that you can't control what your opponent does to a certain degree. Like you do have some agency like, oh, I baroned them and I do Master Mold and stuff. And But, right, as a whole, it's like the five power is significant. Like we often forget, we often kind of underestimate how powerful a single point or a two points of power are in Marvel Snap. Like you lose tiebreakers on one point all the time and you don't really think about it. This is a significant change. And I actually liked your idea in the past where you talked about like, oh, you know, bring them down to four, right? We actually, we had this conversation, right? And it's cool because like at the end of the day, like they keep him at five, they increase his power level, which keeps him analogous to something like a devil dinosaur, but they have improved some things along the periphery as well with some other cards that I'm sure we're going to bring up as well. Yeah. So we can almost go straight to those. I'll say this about Ronan. We can't see if we get even a couple more cards that can feed cards to the hand, then we're really cooking. And, and I honestly think I'm going to talk about some synergies. I think that are going to work with them. Like one that I want to point out before we get to the main card, we're going to talk about with Ronan, obviously being Maximus. First of all, Black Widow curves out a bit better in that deck. Not so much. You're not playing like a bounce build or anything. But I actually think Mobius might have a spot in Ronin decks because you want to prevent these people from playing their cards, right? You don't want them to play cost reduction cards. And this is a good way to kind of halt that, to make sure that they don't get it. And you're putting up so much power on the last turns that it's kind of fine to eat it on three here, right? Because you're saving a lot of your pushing cards, things like that. So I think we just have to rethink how Ronin's going to work. But the biggest change to me in the patch, no question, on the buff side, is Maximus at 2-6. Listen, I'm sad about Surfer. I get it. It was a small margin of Surfer decks. But as far as plug and playability and the seven months nobody played Maximus and an answer to Blob and a great way to work against with Ronin decks on the last turn for cheaper, this is a win, man. I think Maximus is going to get more play and be a better overall card. And this helps Ronin substantially just in the stat department. It actually is a huge buff because like two is one of those powers where like you can do a lot of damage with a two cost, right? Like if you Sarah, it's a 50% reduction. It, you can match it well with a, a notable play on turn five. There's so many things you can do with a two drop that you just can't do with a three drop sometimes, right? And so like, I love this change. It is one of the absolute high, it is the highest stat two drop in the game. Obviously still a very negative effect. But if you're against a blob player, then maybe it's a little more positive. But with Ronin, you want to stuff their hand. And what's also notable is if you're playing Ronin decks and like you've you've played Baron or you've done Master Mold, there's a good chance that their hand is so stuffed as it is that maybe they're only drawing one card. Or actually you're like you're actually like not actually getting much of a negative impact, especially if they're, you know, a Thanos player and they're drawing cards and you play it, they already have seven in their hand. There is no downside to Maximus. So there's a couple of really interesting nuanced parts about the Maximus change that I'm actually excited to test. So you could put five cards in their hand and put 10 power on turn six. Maximus, Mold, and Baron. That's kind of nutty. Like, you can build up your Ronin massively. 
very quickly and have respectable power on top of that. But more so, I think people are missing this. I love the Sarah point, but more so than just that, not only is he the biggest two drop now, power-wise, but all these other ones outside of Silk, but even you can't control her, they have cons. They have been, like Lizard can't be played because of this, right? He can't be played everywhere, whereas this is just six power, truly the best like last drop of the game kind of card. Anytime you lose one cost and only one power point, we saw it with Miss Marvel originally. It's like, okay, this is insane. This is massive. I think this is a great free-to-play answer to Blob as well, which I, I was a big, you know, I don't know how much that'll be used. I, you know, who, who knows? But I kind of like that it's there as like somewhat of a valve of alleviation per se, if that makes sense altogether. Black Widow, listen, we talked about it. We talked about Black Widow. We wanted, you know, there to be some changes to her. They made it a little bit too good. And now I think this is ultimately, I like this spot, right? Because you, Black Widow's fine. It was the bouncing of the Black Widows where it's like, oh my God, it just was getting over and over and over. Whereas now she's not going to be bounced whatsoever, right? I, I don't think that's going to happen much. One thing I want to note though is something that crossed my mind when I saw this Black Widow change was this was a shadow nerf to Ravona. We actually talked about Ravona, but now Black Widow will no longer benefit from the Ravona synergy. You are correct, but I have to tell you, man, I don't know how so many people missed it. I think they were... We'll get to it. I'm going to pause for a second on Ravona. I think Ravona <laughs> got a buff, actually. You're getting a emotional. One. No, no, I think she got a big buff. Hold on. I'll tell, I'll tell you Really? You do? Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Just... And by this point, it might be discovered I'm filming this. It's not known as much. Let's talk about Surfer. Let's stick it on Surfer for a second. Punisher. Now, I, I had a meme on my video. What does Glenn do? Plus one power or complete rework? We went with the plus one power. This feels like the Watu change to me, but I do want people to understand something. 3-7 on the last turn of the game on Sarah Surfer where you want to explode and you have a 3-7, you have a Maximus stat line that everyone's playing these flood decks. He's not that bad. Like, this is now at least playable in Surfer decks. I truly think so. Punisher's still a garbage card, I think. I don't think he's going to get a lot of play. But in Surfer specifically, I don't hate it. I don't know if this is a copium, but there's a chance that you can do like a Gene Gray Punisher style deck, which obviously you play Punisher into the Gene Gray location, which kind of nearly guarantees his stat line, right? That could be something worth experimenting with. I don't know what the straight up power level of that is, but the disruption is notable. Yeah, the Gene Gray is one route, but I'm just telling you, like as I play Surfer out, right? If you just put him in a lane with two cards, he's Polaris. Like, true. Like that's it. And then we get him up to a 3-7 or a 3-9 potentially or beyond. So like, I, I honestly think... Punisher will be there. I'm a little sad overall that this is the route they go, and I hope it's like a band-aid to a much bigger solution. We got the whole new card explanation. I hate it. I can't stand it. But now we finally get to use some really cool Punisher variants, I think, that are out there. So I'm excited about that. People love the Punisher, too. Just a great card. Bro, we got to talk. I know. I know you're beaming. I know you're over the moon, my man. Over the moon. Listen, you know I'm not like the craziest Gladiator fan, or I wasn't. There are cards when they get a power increase or a power decrease. Like, sure, you're like, what the hell? Like, who cares, right? But when that power is directly, it'd be the same if Black Panther got a power increase. You're like, okay, this, this affects his entire kit completely. Alex, this is, this is a nice change for Gladiator. This is the pre-nerf Gladiator that we were promised. I love it. I'm, I was over the moon when I saw this. Like, I've been playing Gladiator in its prior kind of rendition. And, like, it was kind of sad, but I still really liked it. 3-8, it's for the exact reason why you just said. It's not just a straight-up power buff. It buffs the entire kit. It's a two-pronged approach because not only are you buffing the amount of power that sits on the board, but you're also buffing the ability for his effect to trigger. And also, extremely notable here is the change to Chavez. 
The change to Chavez reduces the amount of cards that Gladiator was likely to pull from the deck and lose yes. that fight with. I thought about you, and then I thought about... I know people were sad about Maximus a little bit, but I truly, this is such a great change for Surfer too. Huge, like huge this, change. Surfer now also has like a like huge tall threat that isn't just brood as well. Like Maximus was there too, but Maximus's con was you couldn't play it early. We're gladiator you can play a bit more early, right? If you need to. And Alex, I pointed this out on 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 the OTA here. We're both just so excited. You, you look at seven powers that he can destroy now, right? Because I think the tie at seven was brutal. In popular cards, Annihilus, poof, Onslaught, who's getting so much popularity. He kills Onslaught. Pulling down an Onslaught was brutal, man. But now he just destroys it. Like the eight change to Legion. It's great. You know, it's it's gonna completely change this card's viability. And it's gonna be a little meta dependent, like in a blob-based meta where people are just stuffing Giganto and Infinots into the deck, going full greed for no reason. Like you probably don't wanna play him as often, but as the meta shifts, like it goes towards like a negative style meta right like a yeah. surfer negative like we saw before he would absolutely eat those decks apart right and so like i think it'll be a little meta dependent but even still even if you lose a trade right you pull out a card that you can't necessarily like you pull out a gamora for instance you lose that trade at the end of the day like he's still a massive stat stick that's getting buffed across nova across silver surfer whatever else you're doing i i honestly cannot wait to play more Gladiator. Because I, I said it before, literally one of my favorite cards in the game. One of the most fun cards to play. He just he was a little undertuned, and now he's there. But Viper, like, Black Widow felt like a change to me, whereas Viper felt like a straight-up, just a bummer, man. Like, 3-4, here's the thing. I understand. Junk, I didn't always play Viper on 2, right? Like, I, there, there are times where the, the curve here is kind of nice. You have different things, that, uh, different play lines you can go with. But, man, it's like Sentry Viper, dead in the water. Playing uh, Hood Viper, dead in the water. Havoc, now you have to play differently, you know, albeit you can still play Havoc on two, Viper on three, and you get more power on the Viper. This one was sad to see. It was sad, and I think there, this is a bigger nerf or change than people might originally realize for a couple reasons. One, it was not uncommon that you would do, like, obviously Hood Viper, but also you oftentimes played something like a, a Black Widow, and then if you didn't actually pull anything on turn four or three, you'd actually Viper the Black Widow over because it's occupying space is only one power. Who actually cares, right? It's just clogging, right? Yeah. The other thing that's worth noting here is that, like, with Viper's change, there's not like it's not as easy to slot in just like what you said with sentry right you can't necessarily just okay well the two powers easy just to be like okay i didn't pull a nihilus i can kick over that void the three power just doesn't allow you to do that it doesn't give you that flexibility it's not analogous with surfer like it just because it cannot really play in surfer very well yeah it, it feels like a very significant change and it also occupies the same energy as green goblin so like now it's like you have a choice on turn three. Do I Viper what or do I Green Goblin? Yeah. Like it doesn't feel as clear. Yeah, because four through six, it's like it's Sentry, Doc Ock, you know, you have other plays and Nihilus is in there. Yeah. The, it, it, again, it makes it a little junky. We'll touch on Martyr. She went up to one five. Yay. To me, actually, I will say this makes you playable as in like she's comparable to Titania now. If you play Titania, zero list, zoo list, you can now put the double up decks in. Martyr actually... I'm, whatever. I'm fine with it for now. I think it's okay. You know, I think it is, you know, I, I would like for it to go negative. We've talked about that, but I'll take a one five. I think that eventually they have to release a card that's negative that forces your opponent to lose the game. I think that's really cool. But actually at one five, I would prefer this over Titania. I think now Titania has like yeah. the junk effect. Like it has that big brain junk effect, but also it trolls you pretty damn hard very often. And so like that can be frustrating to play with. At the end of the day, though, if you have like Kazar, if you have Blarvel and all that stuff, like it's still a one seven with those buffs. 
can a one seven really lose you the game sometimes, right? Like, can yeah. it? Like, it's it's a lot of power still on your side of the board. So, like, it makes it more interesting. And again, we said it before. You can kind of underestimate the power of one power. Yep, absolutely. That was a great Dr. Seuss rhyme. Okay, dude, let's get to the two major shifting ones. We have Professor X going from a 5-3 to a 5-1. This is obviously huge. Professor X has never been adjusted. He has been kind of the, the, the ironclad for so long. One of my favorite cards. I love Control. A lot of these cards we've talked about, guilty by association, kind of like it's not exactly their fault. It's the things that have come out around them. Viper, Pro X, we're seeing this now. So here's the thing, guys. It's the holidays, so we had to film this a little bit early, right? And for whatever, everyone's talking about, oh, man, the, 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 the Thanos deck is ruined. It's a Ravona card. And it's a Mr. Negative card at that, who also continue needed that. I know we can't always go Mr. Negative. It's not going to boost him by a million. But Ravona's with Mr. Negative at that. So now you have an alternate win condition with Mr. Negative. An alternate of an alternate, right? Man, I'm pumped. Like, I, we got to focus on what happened here and all the decks around it. But Ravona. You and I have been talking about Ravona for months, talking about how good this card is. And it's funny how, like, you try and nerf Professor X in one regard, and then you kind of bring up another different beast, right? That could be potentially problematic. I love the call out. It's absolutely incredible. And I think that like, you're also forgetting like goblins get kind of buffed by Ravona. So now you might be able to sneak a gob and then throw down Dude. the pro X, right? Like there's a lot of low key synergies and play patterns that a lot of players aren't going to be expecting. So if you're quick to this type of gameplay, where like, you're going to sneak out that pro X and Ravona deck, you're going to catch people for eight cubes. You're going to catch people by surprise because they're not going to be expecting it. Is why? we've talked about Ravona being a great card she's going to continue to always have something in the equation if something goes down to one like this I bet you that they thought about putting them at two just to avoid that potentially right and who knows maybe that gets boosted up if people start to really go that route but obviously this is good to tackle the majority of Eliath problems the Thanos rant problems Jeff just outright beats him Mr. Fantastic beats him now this is a big nerf to X as a whole though Oh, it is a huge nerf because also keep in mind, a lot of the ramping strategies have him being played out on turn four. That forces you to not have the daredevil benefit. Like it's crazy because if you think about what daredevil does, daredevil was hugely beneficial to something like a professor X. However, the strategy of time stone, Psylocke and all that other whole Ravona now too, it all revolves around getting that professor X out on turn four, which does not actually keep daredevil in the meta at all. So I wonder if daredevil's uh, effect will benefit professor X because of how like how much more risky it is to just throw out a pro X and hope that it lands with only one power. So much more we could talk about him though. Let's move on and talk about, listen, this, we are kind of, man, I don't want to say we're good, but we're good. We've been nailing these changes. We talked about it forever. I kept echoing this. If they took power away from him, no big deal. If they change his cost, bigger deal than that. Right. And he's going now from a top five card to a very good card still, but this is a huge hit to Wolf. What are your thoughts on the Wolf change? My thoughts are that you nailed it. I said I expected him to go to three one. You called for uh, power, and it's exactly what ended up happening. So you know, kudos to you for actually being on top of the uh, the meta, knowing what's up. But what I will say is this is pretty huge. Uh, the key thing here is that obviously, uh, kind of delaying his play is huge for something like a werewolf by night because it really takes that bounce side out of it. Out of the equation, because you play him on four, what do you do? Like you beast on five, and then like you try to like it really that delay is huge because it really restricts your ability to bounce around with all the cheap stuff with with beast because beasting on four and then playing out all the stuff on five and closing out the game on six made way more sense. This is actually pretty damn significant. Moreover, he gets to the the, the Shang-Chi range a little early. I believe it's one because you go from three to three to five to seven to nine. 
Now he goes six, eight, ten. Yep. So That's- he's at the Shanxi range faster, which is kind of notable because if like you're on turn five and they already bounced it around a couple times and you're like, hmm, I have initiative. I can punch this wolf out right now. It makes a difference. So it's one thing I just don't want us to lose sight on when we have a card that's insane like Werewolf. We've talked about this all the time. If you guys listen to the Snapchat, four costs, 10 power is the threshold. 10 power comes with cons. You need to meet those cons like Typhoid Mary, like Sentry. And if you meet them, you have a great swing, right? It's three bounces, which is very easy to get him to 10 power, right? So Werewolf is still a very good four drop at that. You can Zabu that. He is played into a lot of Darkhawk decks also, right? So you can go ahead and have a lot of on-reveals. Yes, it's a little wonky, but you can play out your cards in a way that Werewolf comes out on four, and you still have cheap options to build them up on five, or maybe you bounced early on three, and you at least got three one-drops on-revealed, bounce back for free, play Wolf, then you bounce them all around, and then you have turn five and six. So it's not dead in the water, but it definitely takes a massive hit, and I'm going to be interested to see kind of what happens to the Wolf Still a good guard. I would not have buyer's remorse. Did you miss him at his peak? You did, but he's still going to be usable, I think, in a much different way. Cozy, Havoc has been wreaking havoc across the meta of Marvel Snap. The newly released card has come out, and I'm, quite frankly, I think it's pretty cool. What do you think about Havoc, Cozy? Dude, I... Thank you, Snappy Claus. Happy holidays, everyone listening. I hope that Havoc would get more cards just like him because he is, in my opinion, one of the most difficult cards to use in the game because any card like this, I mean, we've seen this with junk. We've seen the win rate of junk decks been bad forever, right? Because when you give it to the mass majority, which we're seeing with Havoc, the stats are horrible. Havoc is so much micromanaging in your brain. When to play him, when to send him, what decks to put him in. Do you want your opponents to even have him? Do you want to put it in there? Do you have him in the right location? He's Havoc. He's causing Havoc on my brain cells. He's causing Havoc and Snap. It's a card that I didn't want to like. Almost. And then I ended up liking him the more and more I played him. I had it out against him, like in my early testing. Like I was like, he's going to suck. He's going to suck. And then I kept being like, hey, I kind of like this a little bit. I kind of like this a little more. I still, if he wasn't a bad spotlight week, it would be an avoid for me, probably like ultimately for like 99% of the player base. However, I think he works. I think there are some really cool decks. I think with Maximus's change, more powerful two costs like this, we can start to see kind of maybe a, a rise of a big two cost deck. The energy reduction and the flexibility of playing on four or five and capping your energy, bouncing that back, I kind of like them. The bounce energy was pretty cool. I thought that was a really creative approach to the deck building cozy, and I actually really liked it. My experience with Havoc was super positive. It's People ask me, Alex, you seem to really like Havoc. Should I get him? And my answer was always the same. Do I like Havoc? Yes. Should you buy him? No. <laughs> like, honestly, because like it's one of those things where like, first of all, you want to wait to see how the meta evolves around Havoc and like... Ultimately, we say this all the time, right? You definitely want to wait to like the weekend to make a decision whether or not you want to purchase a card, right? Because like, I know you can get caught up in the FOMO, but like Havoc's one of those cards. You really want to see how the meta evolves over the week. Now, for me, what I ended up leaning towards was I was trying like to have a kick over with Viper thing and like it was fine. People usually just leave, right? But obviously that's been, that's been neutered, right? That's actually not going to be viable with the change to Viper and it's kind of delaying it. It's still okay, but it's not as good as it once was. What I will say though, is that the best deck that I was playing with Havoc is this one that's on the screen right now. And I'll read it out to the uh, audience here and the audio viewers. Uh, I was running a Havoc deck, which was a wave five Havoc deck, which ran a Nebula, Nightcrawler, Havoc and Goose, uh, Jeff, Mr. Fantastic, Storm, Wave, 
Jessica Jones, and that's not an error. Jessica Jones did make this deck, Miss Marvel, Eliath, and Doctor Doom. The thing I loved about this deck is it was designed to deal with the blob-based Thanos meta. You lock out a location with Storm, you lock out another one with the Goose, and then you earn initiative, you take it on with Eliath, and Blob doesn't even exist. Had a lot of success with this deck. In fact, during the uh, Twitch drops, I played this deck for hours and hours and hours. We climbed about 30,000 ranks, and that's not a joke, about 30,000 ranks. I ran about a 58, 59% win rate with it, and honestly, it was really strong. And the thing about Havoc that was so good was that when you play it on turn five, you wave and you Havoc, it gets the plus four, but most importantly, on that next turn, I can still Eliath, I can still Doctor Doom, and I'm getting a Havoc that goes plus four. So if you think about Doctor Doom, it's 15 power across the board. But it may as well be 19 because Havoc is rising. So it increases the value of that location. Absolutely loved Wave 5 with Havoc. The plus four that he gets, people are just underestimating it all the time. They forget about it. They do. I, I've won so many games that people, because they just forgot he keeps climbing, right? Even I forget at times. And I want to kind of touch on that. You play him on turn four, he's protected from Shang-Chi, but he goes to 12 power. You play him on turn six, if he gets Shadow Kinged, no big deal. He still goes up to plus four. Only card that can do that, right? In a sense. Valkyrie, he goes up to seven, wins the lane. He's got some protection against those cards. What I loved, and I, I love the fact that you went that route. I went the balance route, and why I recommend people against it is even as a somebody who plays the game all the time, balance is truly just like move nowadays. You have to be all in on the archetype. It's the hardest, in my opinion, to really play at the most competitive level. And then you're adding this card to that equation. When Chavez... The nerf happened. Darkhawk Balance, one of the best decks, got a major hit. And ever since then, there's been kind of this Annihilus Bounce deck that's been doing pretty hot. And it's a decent place to play Havoc. But for me, you need one last finisher card. And I, that's where Legion just made all the sense in the world. Because you have all these cheap cards. Legion kind of helps out the locations that you need to buff up. Or change those locations to get rid of the Crimson Cosmos. Maybe you put a, you know... There's a lot of instances where I love Legion there. And you can kind of swap out that five drop for other things that you might want to throw in there. Havoc's a tough card to play. Let's get that straight. But I think ultimately, I like them. And I would like to see more cards where ultimately they look bad, but they have kind of a high IQ overall. Certainly, though, he's not for a good chunk of the player base. The thing I kind of came to terms with as I played the card was in this particular deck that I was talking about, you just don't play them early. You have to play no. them on turn five. And that's a little bit restrictive, right? You play them early, then everything falls apart. But with the turn five wave, he makes sense. Then again, you're like, well, Alex, that's a pretty heavy restriction. Yes, it is. I'm not playing a zoo deck with a squirrel girl and a whole bunch of other stuff that I can just throw out with three power. I get it, right? But at the same time, it's a very functional deck that uses this card to really good effectiveness. And the thing that I love that you touched on is that the floor on Legion is surprisingly high because it is resistant to Valkyrie. It is resistant to Shadow King. And this is something that wasn't really touched on prior. It does bounce up to four power. It will reach under Goose and go to two eight. It's incredible what it's capable of doing. And yes, it's restrictive. But I think it's a temptation restriction where like you have Havoc and you're like, it's turn two, I have a two drop. I, I play him, right? I play him, right? No, you don't. You don't play him, right? And that's the restriction. But you have that incredible verticality that I think is really rare and snap at a two drop. It's just, I like the card. I don't know what else to say. I really like it. He's great in locations. He wins flooding. He wins big house. You know, he, he has a lot of locations that like he can just win outright. The last thing I want to touch on, the biggest debate is, do you Viper him? And I, I'm always on the no Viper. That whole thing was overhyped with Martyr and all that stuff too. Guys, 
It's a yes, but only if you have the tech cards to do it. The, the reason why we did the Viper in the balance deck build and why it was so uh, successful is Shadow King and Shang-Chi are both in that deck. So now even with Viper now, you uh, it's tougher and much tougher at that because getting him out on three was crucial because you don't want to lose the energy. You end up taking the hit with Viper still at times, right? Depending on how it plays out and when you have to play Havoc down. But if you play him on three, you are able to go ahead and Shang-Chi him or you Shadow King him and you do have an answer because kicking that Havoc over is like really good for them too. They have a big power card. You have to have a way to deal with it. And over time, I found over like a hundred plus games that I ended up enjoying that, you know, get them out. For me, the kicking over of Havoc kind of died with the change to Viper. Yeah. Because like you had Ravona, you had Psylocke that you're able to get it on turn three for the exact reason why you mentioned you don't want to eat that energy, right? Now, the decks that are often being utilized there often have a top end of Annihilus. So if you lose one energy, you can still do your thing. However, it means you can't turn six Annihilus and a Demon, for instance. Like it does, you pay a price. You pay a price when you lose energy in Marvel Snap. And uh, usually you snap into it, you kick it over, they retreat, and you smile on your face, and that's fine. The change to Viper, I do think, takes it down a little bit. I would rather see Havoc used as a five head, two eight power card from five and six turns five and six. For me, that's where it fits the best. And uh, maybe it's best for the meta that the Viper play is actually not as good as it could have been. Like, it actually was pretty good on the original version of Viper. Yep. But now that everything changed and everything's been modified, yeah. I feel like a lot came off it. Maybe that's not a bad thing, Cozy. I'm just throwing it out there. It was one of the first times we've ever had a Havoc in review or a card in review, and the OTA affected the card in review on the first days played, and then later. You know, it's like a weird card yeah. in review kind of thing that we have to do. But you know what? We're going to have to see how Havoc ages overall, and let's go ahead and talk about it. Though people think he's uh, one of the worst cards in the game, let's talk about the top 10 worst cards, dude, in Snap history. All right, Cozy, now we're getting into the subject that I've been waiting for for one might say an entire calendar year, and that's to discuss at the end of this year, 2023, the worst cards in Marvel Snap's history as they stand today and as they stood back in the day at release, even in the beta in some circumstances. There's cards on this list that have been disgusting for literally since the moment Marvel Snap was released, and we're going to be talking about them in a top 10 ranked order. Now, we're doing something a little different here, Cozy. How do okay. we change the format ever so slightly? Yeah, so we're going to do it together. I think there's... Because here's the thing. We're going to have a lot of the same ones, I think. Like, right? Like, I I was even thinking of when I when we transitioned to the other screen. I was like, what card do I even have? I don't even know where this is going to rank on our list, but I was like, this has been the flavor topic for a while, so we're going to have Martyr as the disgusting card for now. But uh, yeah, dude, I'm excited. We have our list combined, guys, for the top 10 Worst cards in Marvel Snap history. Now, this is like, also, can we please buff these cards? Uh, pretty much every card on this list needs some type of a buff. Maybe not Martyr if she ends up on it, but other cards, maybe. Maybe so. Alex, do we have any honorable mentions to kick it off with? Yeah, let's kick it off with our honorable mentions, Cozy. Once again, this is a list that we both have decided on here together, which was actually a ton of fun off screen, yeah. too. Honorable mentions, can we talk about Morph? I was never sure where to actually put Morph. Like, is this card just straight up terrible, but or is it just meant to never actually be played competitively? Like, you know what I mean? I wasn't sure how to place Morph. And Morph, to me, like, I Morph was one that I didn't have on my list. Like, there was a couple where I was like, eh, I don't know if I see it that way. Because, like, it's almost like the martyr effect, where it's like, it just needs to exist almost and stuff. Like, he's, he's so perfectly bad and good and loses and wins. Like, if you're a morph player, you're casual and you're having a good time, right? Like, he's the ultimate content card. But as far as, like, just, like, not competitive, yeah, like, he, he probably is not on anybody's list. 
Yeah, and what about Umbaku? Like, not having Umbaku in this list was kind of heartbreaking for me. Like, listen, I've tried to make Umbaku work. Like, I got this pixel Umbaku that I've been committing to try to get, like, an ink split on. <laughs> like, it's hard when you're just losing game after game after game, and he's he's literally, like, always in your hand. So Umbaku, look at that. That's the same pixel that it's I'm trying so to get good. split yeah, there. Yeah. I just can't do it, man. I can't do it. Just when you don't even make Cerebro 2 most of the time, unless you're just trying to have a good time, you know, he's back. I feel like all these cards are just fun content plays, you know what I mean? Like, in general. But what's not a fun content play, and after the smart decks came out, Glenn, you've been sleeping on this secret deck with Spider-Man 2099. And then the smart decks came out, Alex. I'm like, here we go. I have every card in the freaking game. Surely this will make the secret sauce of the 2099 deck. Doesn't exist. Not there. It's not. It, listen. He doesn't make the top 10, but clearly this is not a banger card. This is not even had, like, some of these cards even today, like, they may have had, like, a small, small heyday in some kind of list. Not 2099. Never. They're never, never. Yeah, like, a good never. example of that is, like, a Yellow Jacket, right? Yellow yeah. Jacket had its moment where, like, it's been a pretty awful card, but it had its moment with that yeah. Jane Foster list. That actually was Glenn's, Glenn's <laughs> list, right? Yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of came onto the scene. Like, and it's been terrible other than that. Exact one deck for two weeks where it was playable. But, yeah, Spider-Man 2099, it just never quite kind of made it. And uh, another honorable mention we have to make here, have to, is Uatu. I wanted to include Uatu in the top 10, but I actually play Uatu every once in a a while when I get a little, uh, you know, lubricated off the eggnog. And I got to tell you, it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's not good, but it's not as bad as you probably think it is. It can be helpful sometimes. I got to tell you. I love the word lubricated. I think of inebriated. Lubricated is just like, (laughs) (laughs) such a good word. Okay. Well, yeah, good honorable mentions, man, but they don't even come close. They don't come close to what we thought were the top 10 worst cards in Marvel snap. Buff these cards, Glenn Jones, please. We beg you going into the new year. Kick us off, Alex, number 10. Number 10? She's in a bundle. She was, I mean, she's got some of the best variants in the game, and you'd hope she's going to get buffed eventually. It's Electra. Electra at number 10. This card is complete filth. It almost could have risen higher, but there was one saving grace. There have been times, specifically when, like, back in the day, early Marvel Snap launch, when Sunspot was everywhere. We talked about Sunspot on your side as an honorable mention. And Electra actually had a role to play there because sometimes on turn five or six, you can just Electra just snipe that sunspot. And they're like, wow, my nine sunspots dead. What do I do now? Right. Yeah. But outside of that, this, this card's a straight up trash heap. Yeah, dude. It's just not a great card. In fact, like even the, the, the animations are great. The pop out effect with her leg there kind of looks weird. But besides the point, the thing about Electra is Glenn Jones just mentioned it. He was like, we're still trying to figure out what to do with her. There were whispers. I remember somebody once said, like, do you think she could destroy a two-drop? And at the time, I kind of almost wish they kept that, but then, like, Luke Cage, Elsa, all those stayed the same. They're kind of dealing with two-drops their own way now with the nerfs, so maybe not that anymore. I don't know. I think, like, we maybe get out of our heads that she's a one-drop. Maybe she could do something else entirely. And anytime, like, we saw it with Wolverine, anytime there's a new destroy card, we love it, right? So it could be interesting, but for now, I don't play this card. I never play it. Like, I have four variants with Electra, and I have 130 boosters. I think that's like, and I've been playing Snap for a year and a half. I think that's all you need to know. Yeah, it's basically everything you need to know. First of all, I think we're the ones that said the two destroy, two drop thing. I think there's a little bit of deja vu there. But the one thing I will say is, uh, Electra might also be kind of victim of the new player experience, right? Because like she will feel good in like that, like I'm learning how to play Snap. Oh, look, it's a kazoo deck on the other side. Electra, yay. Like I, I there's that 
probably have him into it, but competitively, this card sucks. Number nine, Cozy, bring us in to our number nine worst card in Marvel Snap's history. Okay, so it's Mantis, but it's not even the Mantis uh, of past. I think the one cost Mantis was actually like playable is a stretch, but it was better than it is now. A two three Mantis, dude, this card is getting zero play. None. This is such a bad card from start to finish. Now, if Blob continues to rain down in, I maybe get a little Blob counter in there. That's about the only thing I could think of her use. As a one, I'm like, you could maybe make something to come together in Conquest or Jean Grey deck, something. Two, three, complete trash. Mantis is, is garbage. And, and really, like, I don't think we have any others on the list. Just the Guardians of the Galaxy outside of Gamora almost feel underwhelming. They just, like, it's such an iconic group. They're so cool. I get that they had one heyday. But like Mantis, who has some of the best variants in the game, we got to figure something out with them. And, and Mantis leads the pack as one of the worst. Yeah, Mantis is an absolute trash heap. Like it, not only does the effect suck, it's a kind of like it's standard statted. And not only that, but you have to soul read your opponent where basically they can play on three locations on turn two or three or whatever. Like it's so hard. Like when you're playing a Lyoth, like you're locking things down. You're, you got all these predictable elements. Mantis, you're like, LOL, 33% to, I guess, draw cards from their deck. I like, okay, actually, here's a good point though. What if they gave every Guardian of the Galaxy card outside of Gomorrah, because she's just great stats, okay? An ability plus the power gain. So Star-Lord, rework him completely. Mantis goes to 2-5, and you take a card. Groot does X and does X. You know what I mean? Then you are, yes, you are like, you have to soul read, but you get a big payoff. You get two things cooking at once. I kind of like that. Yeah, so Lizard just dies, I guess. <laughs> what you have to soul read. It does. Tough, you know? Oh, you're saying she gets buffed. I thought you, okay, I understand. I thought you meant she was just a 2-5. I'm like, what happens to the Lizard? Then? Yeah, like, Lizard just, dies. Yeah, no. She can become a 2-5 like Star-Lord. And then also she gets, you'd have to take oh, it to like a 2-2. Two, two. Okay. And you get the effect. Groot's the same. He would go up to 6 or whatever. And then Groot also gave nearby cards plus 1. Like, it, they, they combined and you get rewarded on the Soul Read. I like that. And you're right. Like, it's such an iconic, I mean, there's other iconic cards on this list too, right? But Guardians of the Galaxy specifically are so iconic. They have been kind of done dirty. And Mantis has always felt terrible. Like, there's just never been, a, like, name one deck you'd play Mantis in. Yeah. None. That's exactly. the uh, correct answer. Yeah, number eight, Alex. Number eight. This is where we chose Martyr. Martyr has been absolutely disgusting. The card, I mean, we, we joked about like, someone's going to try and figure it out. People tried and it's, it has not been figured out. In every single deck that I tried, like I did the whole Shauna, Dazzler, you got nowhere to move, Martyr. You can't lose me the game. Card still sucks because it's still found ways to lose the game. Like it's just, the text is I actually think the text is pretty cool. I like the text. I like the flavor of it too. Like I kind of like the idea, but like, it just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Like I almost would like to see this card being like, like, like a one negative something. And then like you kick it onto their side. Like I'd rather it be a junk card. I think that'd be more interesting and so still bad. flavorful. It's, so it's just bad. the card sucks, man. It's so bad. It, it's like, if this was at the launch of the game, this card would have been reworked in like nine OTAs by now. It's just a garbage card. And like, there's no point to play. I hate this. Like, as we go up the list, like, you'll just see the hate continue. Now, there are some cards that we put higher because it's like who the hero or character is, what they deserve to be. They're bad as well. Martyr just sucks. We hate her. She's not good. She's just here for X Mansion bad roles, I guess, moving forward. Moving on. I can't even think about her anymore. At number, what are we at? Seven here? 
Yeah, we're at number seven, and one of the most powerful heroes in oh. Marvel as a whole, but one of the worst cards he knew right away, it's Adam Warlock. I mean, and here's the thing. One of the most powerful effects in the game, like really, like honestly, yeah. like this is a tremendously powerful effect, but as a 2-0, like this card has never seen play. It's never seen the light of day. And there's been chances where like, actually, ironically, in like the Nebula Guardian season, like early kind of, uh, you know, pen and paper decks it was okay, maybe we can use Adam Warlock and we Star-Lord and we Drax, LOL, and all this stuff and we feed them into this location and then I ultimately never work because you're still playing a 2-0 in a game where you need power to win the board. Like, what Like what are you going to do with Adam Warlock? Dude, they gave him the MCU treatment where they're like, let's just not put him in the Infinity Saga. Like, it's like, let's just not put him in Snap. It, it is truly like, I think last week someone asked us on the Snapchat, like, what's the one hero is disserviced? It's Adam Warlock. It's how do you have this character so bad within the game is beyond me. It was Hulk for a while. And then we got the evil Hulk. He needs to do something better. He needs to do something in general. Maybe give him plus one per turn somehow. Maybe give him plus one per turn and nothing for no reason. And he's just a two five at the end. And then you have to like challenge. We've talked about it. We tried to figure him out. A two one will win you it at first. Maybe you do that. And you just try to soul read where they're not going to play. He needs something, Alex, because he's too iconic and he's too trash. He's played very little, and even if you're playing him a negative, like, congratulations, you could be playing a better card. Adam Warlock's not it. No, I know. And the only kind of moment where I played him a few times, the only reason why I have any boosters of him at all, was with Bast. Like, I tried yeah. to play him with Bast, and, like, he could feel good. Like, he feels good when you Bast him on turn one, and then on turn two, you play an Adam Warlock that's a two, three. Yes, that is the one time, the one time where Adam Warlock doesn't feel like an absolute trash heap. But honestly, in every Bast deck, he just doesn't make the cut because, like, he's inconsistent, and there's just way better options all the time. And those types of decks, whether they're Cerebro decks or whatever, have very specific cards that need to exist. And Adam Warlock just doesn't make the cut. He didn't even make Ravona builds. And Ravona like, could have loved this card. And that's how you know. It's like, if he's not making Ravona builds, what are we doing? What are we doing mm -hmm. here? Guys, oh my. I, so we, we've been talking because we can't even remember. I try to delete Alt F4, this thing, from my effing brain. Baron Mordo. Not exactly an iconic character in Marvel. And definitely not an iconic character in Marvel Snap. Did he get buffed once upon a time? Yeah. So while we were making this list, it was funny. I'm like, Cozy, I think this is the buffed version of Baron. Cozy's like, Baron's got to get buffed eventually. I'm like, I think he has been buffed. Like, he was worse before. I don't even remember the effect. Like, that's how bad he was. Did he I, give I, I you a I still don't remember the effect. Did he give you a draw and it was a cost to six? Dude, I, no, was, it was always something they drew. He sucks. It was always bad. I still don't know. He's so bad, dude. He's such a trash card. Like, But the fact that like you have to even play this guy to play Ronin, even at that, isn't that good? Baron is so bad. Like, Even in drafts, even on X Mansion, I'm just like, great, I gave him a draw. It's so... It's Yeah, he's trash. Yeah, and I think it's sad to say that like I was experimenting with Ronin quite a bit, like maybe a month or two, no, two months now. And I cut Baron from my like Ronin list. I was running Crystal instead. I was running like everything else except Baron because the card is an absolute trash heap. And but like there is something to be said, like if, oh, it's a Silver Surfer meta and you just turn their Silver Surfer into a six, like, okay, yeah, that could be impactful. But you don't know what you're hitting. The stat line is just fine. And you're right, Cozy. You're still just drawing them a card. And I love playing Baron on turn two and then them snapping. Because like, oh, they just drew a Lyth. <laughs> like, great, cool, awesome, right? Yeah, this card, if it's already been buffed, it was not buffed enough. It's still super sad. It's not iconic in MCU. It's not iconic in Marvel. It's not iconic pretty much anywhere. And it's 
I, there's a good chance this card just stays forgotten. Like, I don't even know if it ever gets buffed again. Yeah, hot garbage. I'm running out of words for, like, hot garbage. I gotta keep coming up with, like, trash, whatever it might be. Next up, dude, we've got Strong Guy. Pre-buff Strong Guy. Now, buff Strong Guy isn't, like, much crazier. But pre-buff Strong Guy was consistently the worst card in Snap, even by the stats. On the play rate, on everything around him, not a great card. He has one time to shine. And it's right there with Electra. It's at the very beginning of your Marvel Snap experience when you can actually get away with like a blade deck trying to get the hand empty and do kazoo. You got the strong guys at the zoo, as a lot of people call it. That's about it. Yeah, this card's been terrible the entire time. I mean, like, it's just been so unplayable. The The effect is so hard to trigger. And uh, it's even worse now, now that Chavez got changed, right? Like, it's even worse. And so, like... What do you even do with this card now? Like, it's just dead in the water. It's It was bad then. It's terrible now. I honestly don't know. Like, does anyone even want Strong Guy to be relevant? Like, I I don't I don't think so, right? Like, it just, it, could it be a card that just never exists ever again in the meta? Like, is that, is everyone fine with that? No, actually, people love Strong Guy. And I, I kind of do too. Like, he is kind of cool in more of, I saw that eye roll over there. You know, I saw a little like, who, who likes Strong Guy? There's a guy I saw at the very beginning of Snap made a video whenever Snap came out, like why Strong Guy should be better and like what would fit his like skill set more. It was kind of a good watch. I have no idea what it was. Someone's going to have to go find it. I think Nando at the movies. I don't know. Either way, Strong Guy's trash. We, we know it and maybe he'll be better one day. Alex, what could possibly be worse than that? Well, there are cards. Cozy. Four, four more cards, in fact, that are worse than Strong Guy pre-buff. I can't even, like, saying Strong Guy pre-buff is even funny in itself <laughs> because it's like, wait, it can get buff, it still right. sucks. Number four is a card that could arguably be even higher, but it is an absolute trash heap, one of the worst cards in the game, but apparently beneficial to the new player experience. Cozy, it is Quicksilver, the card oh. that always starts in your hand. I thought Umbaku always started in your hand, but apparently... By text, it's actually Quicksilver. One of the worst cards in Marvel Snap. He's so bad. He's. We have a common theme. We're, we're saying a lot of times, like, hey, the new player experience. I mean, I, there's new players in the game, but just how, you know, like, is it worth Quicksilver being complete? Like, this is, there's a lot of cards in the game that I'm like, maybe one day, maybe one day, I don't think Quicksilver ever, ever gets buffed, ever. I think this is it. This is the trash heap we get forever. Forever. This effect is unique enough. It's okay that a card occupies this effect, even if the card sucks. But, like, does it really destroy the game if he's a 1-3? Like, does that actually destroy the game? Maybe it does. Maybe, actually, that tips the balance of the... But, like, remember, Quicksilver, in your opening hand, it denies a draw. It's not like Agatha. Agatha's an extra card in your hand. Quicksilver denies the draw. It's like the opposite of the Chavez effect, right? Oh, if he you didn't? become less likely to draw your cards. Like it's actually really bad from that perspective. And the thing that actually is in the back of my mind that's kind of funny, Cozy, 100% there's going to be like Quicksilver truthers in the comments. Like I know it's going to happen, right? There's going to be someone in the comments who's like, FYI, Quicksilver's actually broken. Terrible card. And no, he's not. This card is complete trash. If you are playing Quicksilver right now, you need to stop immediately and put literally anything else in your deck. Anything. Anything. Martyr. I just try something else because of the draw mechanic. They could never make you draw and you get him in the opening hand. That'd be the most busted thing in the world at that point. Everyone's only playing Quicksilver at that point. It becomes one of the best cards in Marvel Snap. Like, it's so funny how that little text changes it, right? Because you would give them the Chavez effect at that point in a sense that thin the deck, and that's exactly what they're avoiding, so they will never do it. 
Next up is kind of more of a recent one per se. It's OG Snowguard, Alex Snowguard, Snowguard. Uh, she, you never saw her. These variants are amazing. Guess what? You never saw it because when you played her, she would either go, <laughs> she'd either go to the hawk or the bear. So like you didn't even get to control what these effects do. And like you could like top, you know, roll or high roll the Snowguard hawk and you're like, cool. But then you would get the bear and you're like, I wasn't even trying to get that effect on this location. So bad that like people call like, oh, Nico's coming out. Well, she had the snow guard effect, right? I saw even the top players with Nico because they thought it was going to be snow guard and, and like what snow guard brought to the game. Travesty of a card. And they finally did it right by releasing a buff alongside her. And thank God, because this was a series five card. You're right. Actually, the original snow guard was analogous to what Nico is now, not from a power standpoint, from, but from a mechanic standpoint, she effectively just switched in your hand to the, the bear, the hawk or whatever. Right. And it never had the consistency you wanted. And the effects weren't actually that strong. They just weren't that great. So there was just never any reason to play snow guard, absolute trash heap card. And then when it got changed, it became one of my favorite cards in the game. Like this is actually one of the redemption arcs of Marvel Snap. Like that's a whole other conversation, but Snowguard literally gives me hope for the rest of the cards that we're talking about on this list because Snowguard was one of the worst cards in the game, unplayable. I remember seeing like people tweeting at me. I remember Reddit posts of people like literally like I'm uninstalling the game. I got my series five card. Remember when like you only got one, like every like thousand something collection levels. I got my one series five card and it's Snowguard. GG, I'm out. Like yep. literally every day that was on Reddit. And so when it got changed and it was just before it entered the spotlight caches, I think, it was like awesome. It was like, yes, they did it. They fixed Snow Guard. It was a ton of fun. And uh, I'm trying to remember, she got nerfed, didn't she? Like she got changed. Uh, the, yeah, because the Snow Guard, the yeah, because they used to be two costs. Yeah, the they bear used and the, to be two yeah, costs. which was even more busted at that point. So like, even with the nerf, she's still good. She's still playable. Thank God they changed that, but easily is like the redemption arc of there's still hope for a lot of these cards out there, Alex. We got two more. We do. And I mean, in the comments, people got to know what they are. Like, they got to be guessing. They got to be guessing. And we're going to combine them together a little bit with one really stealing the show. Guys, the Punisher. The Punisher, and then we're going to throw in Captain America. Captain America is usable to some small, very small, very small extent. But because of his notoriety, it's my number one card I want buffed in in Snap. The number one on the list is Captain America because I need to see that iconic character. It's a travesty that he's still bad. It's kind of hilarious he's still bad. For new players coming in, you talk about new player experience, and one of the most iconic heroes is Trash. But then there's Punisher. That's a whole new level of garbage. First of all, Cozy's drunk. Captain America is actually not our top. There's one worse than that. He's looking at the list. You forgot about the worst card in Marvel Snap's no, history, No, I know buddy. that. Yeah, yeah, no. We're doing the Punisher and, and Captain together, and then number one, we have number oh, one. So there, oh, so we have two for number two. Yeah, yeah. So you just did that again. You just added multiple. Okay. Just for the record, I did not do this. Cozy Snap adding multiple cards to a single slot in a top 10. I had to I put always blamed for this. I had to put Captain in there. I had to sneak yeah. him you in You know, there. Cap does deserve some special mention there too. He should have been an honorable mention really. But yeah, Cap is the one that we really want to see buff. Like that is truly the one that like, come on. One of the most iconic, like my son went out as Halloween as Captain America, a little yep. Canadian boy with a Captain America shield, as American as America is, running around, yelling, throwing the shield around. Like, yes, yep. this is what people like love about Marvel. And he sucks. He's terrible. But Punisher, like, is way, well, I think Punisher's worse than Cap. Oh, yeah. Punisher's 100% worse than Captain America. Bar- this card just sucks. So friggin' bad. It's unbelievable. But Alex, what's the worst card in Marvel Snap? I mean, 
I think that everyone knows the worst card in Marvel Snap's history. In fact, it blows my mind this card has never been changed at the one cost. It's Angel. 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 One of the least playable cards in Marvel Snap. One of the least satisfying effects in Marvel Snap. One of the reasons why Destroy sucks until like, like basically Series 3. Like Destroy is borderline unplayable because this card sucks so unbelievably bad. And it's a shame because he's legit like one of the most iconic Marvel heroes. Listen, you open up the first like Marvel comic book and I'm almost 99% positive Angel's like on the front page. Like, like Angel's there. It's like, it's Angel's one of the originals and it's like, he's so bad and it's so sad because like we've talked about in the past, like there's gotta be ways that you can use Angel. Like what, imagine the Angel existed. We're like, oh, they're playing Elias on me and Elias going to destroy my unrevealed cards and Angel comes out of your deck and just takes it for the team. Takes it for the team, you know? That would be so good. It would be so good. It comes out of your hand and takes it for the team. Eliath, take me instead, Angel says, Dude, as he we, looks up into the sky. We almost talked about this a year ago, like this exact, but we're like, this would be so cool. It'd be great for Angel. Nope. He's just sucked this long. He's been trashed this long. And they even said, well, we've got a lot of, of our VFX teams working on the game modes. We can't get to Angel because he would require VFX. Hey, guess what? It's time. We got to get him. The VFX are ready. Show me Angel. Show some love for Angel. Borderline him, by the way, and uh, Electra have so good backgrounds. Like, uh, it was just taking that in. I never see him. Never get to watch, see the backgrounds because I never see him play. Dude, this guy looks exactly like you. I never see this variant. Like, it's literally you in a, like, a jumpsuit here. Like, if this was, like, Captain Canada cozy, like, you would wear a suit like that. Like, he, look at, he looks he, like you, like actually. And abs, you're, you're, dude. you're cut like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, well, I, my quads are a little smaller. The 10 abs is what really gives it away. And then he's got the muscles on the muscles. When you have these side muscles, like, dude, you got to find other hobbies but the gym. This is just, this, you're yoked. You are, you are a big, 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 big boy. Angels, complete garbage, and he rounds out our list as the top card that's just hot trash santa's dump horrible absolutely horrible worst card in marvel snaps history cozy you know what time it is mail time mail time mail time mailbag time it's mail time that's mail right bag. it's uh mail uh, i was gonna say tim the tool man mailbag taylor but that doesn't make any sense at all i, I messed up the reference that eggnog man is hitting you hard over there uh, yes. really hard here what do we got what are the questions last time we caught a little heat People like our responses. I like that. I like the heat. I'm ready for it. What do we got? Question number one for our mailbag segment comes from JME, and it reads, what would you want them to add to the autofill feature to make it even better? Mine would be to have the ability to say what cards you want to leave out of decks on purpose. Cozy actually showed the perfect example of why I want this feature added by trying the autofill to replace Iron Lad. That was in your video, actually. I did. I watched that video, Cozy. Smash the like button as I always do. And I was oh. like, oh, Cozy has a point. Well, does auto deck fill feature? So, Cozy, why don't you answer the question uh, from JME? What's the question? <laughs> I know. Basically, the question is, is how would you improve the auto deck feature? But they also said, like Cozy said already, like yeah, exclude uh, cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What past Cozy said, but I think they did pretty good. Make the variants the ones you chose. Don't know who thought it was a good idea to do random variants in there. And then uh, other than that, maybe, honestly, I think it's good outside of that. Maybe a bit more variance per se on that. And like, if you take a card out, maybe it registers that or you can X cards out you don't want included so it can make it a bit more specific i don't want the same killmonger my uh, surfer deck you want something different that would probably be my my take i have a small quality of life feature that like i would love love in the auto deck uh, feature i would love if it told you somewhere just in small text what when the day was the sample was taken like oh, like yeah. data as of like 
February, whatever. Like, it would be so cool if you generated the deck and it said data as of, and it said like the prior day or something yeah. to let you know that you're getting data that's relatively new. I think that would increase the confidence in the deck builder that people could be having. And you know what? Like, uh, there could be times where it's like, give me a martyr deck. And it's like, oh, best deck as of, and it's like two weeks prior because no one's yeah. playing martyr. And like, I think that that would be a very cool transparency feature that would increase confidence in the deck builder overall. Yeah, dude, I like it. For sure, that'd be cool. And I would make like Excel sheets with that bad boy, just getting like all the data together. Hit me with the next question. Question number two comes from Juan Carlos, and it reads, I have a daughter, 10 years old, and we share the love of Marvel Snap since its release. Now we share Marvel and board game as passions. Alex, what hobbies do you share with your children? And Cozy... What hobbies would you like to share with your kid when he's a little more grown up? I was going to say, mine's like sucking on like a wooden hammer downstairs. So like not a lot going on over there. But yeah, man, it's tough because it's like, I feel like I've answered this in the hobbies that I do. Naturally, I think you want your kids to pursue hobbies that you do as well. For me, I'm definitely going to be coaching my kids in sports, right? So like I'm a big sport nut. So we already got him in soccer. I already looked into it. One-year-old soccer. I have no idea that's going to work. He's probably going to be just literally just rolling around on the grass. But coaching and taking an interest in whatever sport he chooses, if he doesn't do sports, quick prayer there that he does. But if he doesn't do sports, then, you know, just like being there as like a figure that can lead in whatever that he wants to take interest in for sure. Surfing, skateboarding, those things as well. Being a daredevil is mom would hate it, but I love it. Getting out there. I like that. I don't know if you would know this, by the way, but I actually, I coached soccer for like 15 years. I got like a whole bunch of certifications in it. I actually used to coach the, uh, be part of the Toronto FC uh, Youth Academy program oh. where I would teach like little kids, particularly I worked with young goalkeepers. No way. Yeah. Man. So if you ever need any advice or help with coaching soccer, my man, just let me know. You look like a soccer coach. You know what I mean? I can look at you. And, like if I was driving next to you and I looked over and I saw you and I was like, that guy looks like a soccer coach. That's what I would say. Sometimes I look like a paintball coach. Sometimes I look like a Santa Claus. And I guess sometimes I look like a soccer coach, exactly. depending on the day. Yeah, yeah. They're all kind of, <laughs> they're all around uh, Costco. They all kind of just one echo center around Costco. Yeah. So with my kids, I mean, my daughter's seven. So like right now, like for instance, for Christmas, I don't want to say it too loud, but I got her this like board. It's like a introduction to Pokemon, like the actual trading card game where it's like a little, like a board. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My brother, my brother got that. Yeah. Yeah. For his daughter. Yeah. yeah. So I, I got it for my daughter too. Cause I want to start playing, like playing that with her and introduce her to board games specifically. Cause I think it's a really social thing. I actually told my wife, Hey, like I actually want to start doing like family board game nights. Cause I think that'd be cool once it's the kids get so a little good. older. Two of my three sons are, well, they're four and two. And the best they can do, we put on Super Smash Brothers and they just button mash. The, my favorite thing is my, my two-year-old, once he like runs off the screen, he will like, he throws the controller. He's, he's already tilting. He's like, no. And he oh, just yeah. throws the controller. I'm the like, tilting's that controller's expensive. Okay, you're not getting the, the Nintendo Switch Pro controller anymore there, yeah, buddy. Right, right. And then the, my other guys like you, just he's like just playing with little, like he's just hitting toys. He's like seven months old. So, But I, I'm looking forward to it, honestly. And I really do hope that my kids kind of take on some of my passions. One funny thing I'll mention, though, okay. is my daughter with her iPad, she'll walk around and like make videos and stuff. And she, she'll talk like a YouTuber. Oh, like, I'll cool. hear her finish her video and say, make sure to like and subscribe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, dude, I love that. I'm going to grab my kid and be like, don't do YouTube. You don't know. <laughs> no, no, definitely. I think it's only natural. Like, you know, I looked at what my dad did and took an interest in that. So it's only natural that I'm sure if I'm still doing this, you know, that my son's really going to get into YouTube and filming and I'm going to definitely teach him 
you know, different traits. But a lot of the things that I learned was just by like following my dad and his people skills. And I think that's also, you know, something I hope he picks up as well. All right, Cozy, the next question comes from Andrew and it reads, I've noticed that the hardest weekend quest for free to play in season pass only players is the win with the new card quest. Since we have to pick and choose which new cards we go for and sometimes even then miss. Yet the prize for that is what we covet the most, collector's tokens. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Oh man, some of these I feel like are sometimes can be like bait questions because I have the people's answer, right? Like, yeah, you know, make them easier, you know, and then the realistic one too. Like, guys, I, I don't want to be the guy that's just going to be the politician that tells you everything you want to hear because it, it like, I just don't know if it'll always happen. They did it with Cyclops and I would like to see it more often. There was one where I believe you got collector tokens if you played Cyclops in your deck. That was awesome. Do that a little bit more and I think that solves the answer. I think it's fine to do the new card, rewards you a little bit of a kickback for getting it but add in some of these other cards that have synergy with that card to promote you trying to learn the mechanics around it without actually getting it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I agree. I think that's happening when like there's the season pass launch. So there's no new card for that week, like no spotlight new card, right? So they'll add Cyclops or something like that in there. And I'm all for that. I agree. And maybe a good like just quality of life change would be like on that week because anybody can play it maybe just double the reward for that week like if it's 200 every other week maybe make that week 400 yep. and like really okay wow you're giving up 200 extra tokens but i think it's a good faith move for your audience and i feel like maybe that would like just kind of be a positive thing for people overall it is a challenge though like i i totally understand but let's not forget like i feel like it was only a few months ago on the snapchat that we were lamenting on how bad these weekend missions were yeah. because they stripped the gold out of the spotlight cash and like don't worry guys weekend missions were coming and they were just so garbage i remember for the first three weeks i didn't even do them i was like i'm not doing this like this is horrible like i like i listen i play this game a lot <laughs> right and i'm like i don't want to do these stupid weekend missions so they finally fixed them quite a bit so they're way better than they used to be yeah. could they be improved like everything else of course yeah 100% alright cozy my favorite question on this Christmas day comes from super Luigi and it reads honestly speaking can you say to Santa that you've been good boys this year no and uh, yeah I like this thing I'm uh, it's kind of like that are you morally good I think Alex you're a good guy maybe you like maybe you every now and then like I don't know cutting from Cut in front of somebody at the Casco line. Maybe you never. I would never cut in front of me. Are you kidding me? I'm at the self checkout. I'm letting old ladies pass me. I'm doing it for them. I'm like, come on, guys. You'd lose your code of honor. You know? you. Yeah, yeah. You, I'll get that that bag, that huge bag of dog food for you. Don't worry, man. You'd lose your customer of the month. You, I know you are on their wall with a big portrait of Alex Kocha, like customer of the month. That's you, right. You can't they know. That. They can't know. lose that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been a good boy. I've been a good. I'm telling you, you're Sam. You're Snappy Claus. I've, I've, I think I've been a good boy, man. Uh, you, Alex. Ho, ho, ho. Yes, I can with absolute confidence say that Alex Kocha has been a very good boy this year. He didn't ask for much this year. He simply asked for some glasses that his best friend Cozy Smap wouldn't make fun of. And unfortunately, Cozy Smap did make fun of Alex and now is on the naughty list. So Cozy has lied. Cozy, in fact, on the naughty list for insulting Alex's paintball instructor glasses that he needs to functionally operate in front of a computer screen 12 hours a day. Alex hates Christmas, Santa. Also, Alex hates elephants and children's laughter and puppies. Guys, we're going to let you get back to your holiday. Thanks for listening, though, to the Snapchat on this Christmas day from Snappy and Cozy. Myself, don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Happy holidays. Have a good one. Have a great one, Alex. And what is your outro? Happy snapping, baby. Merry snapping. Boom. <laughs> well, guys, that's going to be it for the Snapchat for us. I'm glad we were able to get a podcast out. We still have not missed it. 
holiday, rain or shine. We're here uh, from Alex, from us to you. We wish you guys a happy holidays and appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We have one more Snapchat this year on the last day of the year, which is a fun thing that that kind of ends up as that. As always, guys, thanks for watching. Enjoy the holiday. Enjoy Christmas. And until the next one, happy snapping.